Are you ready to get your sports banter on? Brian Henninger, love child of Albert Einstein and Howard Cosell, with a body chiseled by Zeus himself. Brandon Sharples, a man who could beat Mike Tyson. In a spelling bee, together they form the At Odds Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the At Odds Podcast. It is episode four, April 12th, 2017. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Brian Hemminger, and we have a fantastic show tonight in store for you guys. Uh, Joining us in 50 minutes will be Sean Loeffler. He is a former Bellator fighter, got signed to the UFC on a 12-fight winning streak, and then switched over to boxing where he has knocked out seven fools in a row to start his pro career. And we'll be talking with him tonight. And then just a lot of cool stuff in store for you guys today. But without further ado, let's bring in my fellow host for the evening. He is the one and only Silky Smooth, Brandon Charples. How you doing, Brandon? What's going on, guys? It's a pleasure being back. I am your handsome co-host, Brandon Sharples. Um been a couple of weeks you know we got that week off last week but i appreciate everybody that joined me live on facebook that wednesday we had a great time end up being an hour and a half of just shooting the shit with everybody and i really really enjoyed that so shout out to everybody that joined that so what'd you do yeah, well, I mean, let's how talk, was your, yeah, well, how was your let's time? talk about that because it was so embarrassing like we did all this prep work we're getting ready to do the show we've got sean lawfler was going to be on last week uh and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, starting at about 3 o'clock or so, my computer just turns off. And my, my little brother, JC, he's decent with computers. He comes over after work, and he starts working on it. He's fiddling around with everything. He gets it to turn on, and then about 30 seconds after it turns on, it shuts off again. And then after that, it wouldn't turn on for more than, like, half of one second. So uh, a lot of my saved info was on there. We just couldn't get the show up. So I felt like such a douche. I had to text Sean and be like, Hey man, I got such shitty news. You, we, we can't have the show tonight. And he's like, Oh man, I moved around my sparring partners for that, for that interview. And I'm just like, fuck. He's <laughs> he's like, I, had, I had sponsors. We're going to listen. <laughs> he was like, probably pretty pissed when, because you, uh, you had to tell him that was good. You had all that porn hub on there. <laughs> I I sent my computer to the shop because I went to Arizona over the weekend and they they said it was uh, the power supply went to shit. So that got replaced and my computer is back and good as new. So I can get all the porn on there that I want now. Tell me, tell me but, about uh, Arizona, man. That's my stuff. Yeah. That's where you've, uh, you were for quite a while at, after yeah. high school, but damn, I had so much fun. My cousin, uh, lives out there with his wife and uh, newborn and and we visited him he works like in the convention center and he's got like hookups with because uh, he used to work for the indians and yeah. he got us free tickets to go to friday night's game and saturday night's game the indians lost both games but we got to go um, he also got us free tickets to see the sun's face the oklahoma city thunder it was westbrook going for the triple double record and he didn't get it um, and it was hilarious because it's in Phoenix. You know, normally everybody's cheering against the opposing team, 
But at the end of the game, Westbrook had like, you know, 25 points, 13 rebounds and eight assists. And he would like drive and then dish it to somebody. And if, and everybody would just start cheering. And this, and then if that person didn't immediately shoot the ball, they got the fucking shit boot out of him because they knew that he wouldn't get an assist <laughs> from it. Yeah, fuck them. It was What's hilarious. And then uh, with two minutes to go, the Suns were beating them by like 30. So they yanked Westbrook and everybody left. <laughs> Nobody really? stayed at the end of the game. All they cared yeah, well, about was seeing if Westbrook broke the record. But you know what? Westbrook broke the record the next game, and he then he hit a game winner like ten feet behind the three point line. That was so yeah. much better than if he had broken the record when his team got murdered by thirty and sucked. So, it, it, his story was would have been, was a lot better than what mine would have been. So I'm I'm happy for that. But yeah, the Indians lost both games I went to. Uh, we actually left halfway through the first game because to go see Westbrook because it was right next door, and then we were able to see the end of it. Um, and then Sunday, I don't know if you ever went out there, but we went to uh, Sedona. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we checked that out, got some insane pictures and, and views and stuff. It was it was sick. It was, we had a really good time. The weather was great. Uh, like, it was, like, mid-70s the last two days. I mean, it was it, it oh, could man. not have been any perf- more better, more perfect. Uh, and we went to uh, – you ever go to Little Miss Barbecue in Phoenix? No, I didn't, but I heard about it. Yeah. Dude. Dude, you got to try. Did you try? Orgasm in my mouth from their fatty brisket. Did you try a snoring hot dog? I did not. Did you try? Oh, my God. See, this for our listeners, it might be – they, I mean, they branched up into Phoenix, but it's like based out of Tucson. It's this hot dog. It's in like this roll style bun, and they wrap the hot dog in bacon, and they stick, okay. and they deep fry it, and they stick it in the in the in the bun. And they, you know, they put guac and salt, like sauce, all everything you want, basically onions, anything you want on it. Fuck, like just like different kind of mayo. It's like it's amazing. It's badass. It was like one of the best things I ever eaten there. My cousin got the something similar to that. Yeah, my cousin oh, got something yeah. similar to that on the first baseball game we went to, but I wasn't hungry because we had eaten all that barbecue no shit dude how yeah. did you like did you think that the terrain was something it's almost like uh, arizona oh, almost like a different yeah, world huh like, it is it's like another planet i don't know how people can get used to just driving around over there because every view is epic like we came oh, in yeah. at like midnight eastern time a little after midnight and we're just driving to my cousins and it was super dark but you could just see the silhouette of the mountains in every direction like and man the views are just gorgeous i i, I can't yeah. wait to go back we're, we're going to go back next year probably for spring training where if we curse the indians by attending at least it'll be in games that don't count dude i got a couple of funny stories about arizona so it was like my first year there i'm in the military and the air force at the time and uh this is the only time i ever saw like a poisonous animal but I was walking back into into my unit. Um, I was dressed in my blues that day because it was a Monday, and I'm dressed. I'm walking in, and all of a sudden I hear like a hissing sound. And I look down, and I get bit in the fucking leg by a snake. Really? Like a rat? It looked it looked like a goddamn rattlesnake. It was crazy, and I I jumped up, dude. <laughs> I jumped up in the sky, high as fuck. I'm screaming like ah, like a little girl. Uh, you know, I'm jumping, I'm patting the fuck out of my legs. I'm patting this thing. This curls up and goes into one of these like cement metal contraption, like uh, trash cans we have outside. 
And uh, I'm freaking the fuck out. We go and get every, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm a medic, so a bunch of these people came out to check me out. I'm taking my shoes off, I'm taking my socks off, I'm rolling my pants up, looking for bite marks and shit. And it ended up being this, it's not even a poisonous animal, it was a goddamn gopher snake. And they're like, <laughs> their, their patterns on their backs are meant to look like a rattlesnake. So I was freaking the fuck out. I remember texting my brother. I texted my brother. I was like, hey, man, I just got bit by a fucking rattlesnake. My brother <laughs> texted me back, what the fuck? Tell, tell mom I love her. Yeah, I was like, I might be dead. So, yeah, and so they ended up tipping this thing over. I look, this big fucking gopher snake, but they look like rattlesnakes to the untrained eye. You know what I mean? Someone that's not used to this kind of shit. So, yeah, that, that was that was an interesting thing. That was like one of the first few months I was there. And then literally probably two days later, I didn't get in my house yet, so I was living in the dorm, and I was taking trash out, and I'm pulling this trash out, and literally out leaps fucking out of the damn trash can into the sky and onto the ground with a bobcat. <laughs> fucking looks back at me and just fucking scurries off. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. And they're like, yeah, dude, this thing's always tearing through our trash. I'm like a fucking bobcat? I mean, you'll see javelinas, <laughs> these fucking wild boars just running through parking lots. You see, like, I'm telling you what, man, the the amount of, you'll see coyotes daily. They just run around fucking barking. I remember one time I was on a golf course trying to golf, and uh, I turned around, and this fucking coyote is literally sitting like a normal dog would sit on the tee box five feet from me in the middle of the day on a country club. I turned around, I was like, get the fuck out of here. I'm like raising my arms up like I'm like, you're supposed to do to a bear or something. <laughs> Go get it. You know, it was, it was just some interesting, and like, last but not least, I was. I took my daughter home. Me, my son, and my daughter. I took them home from school, and I, you know, sit them down on the ground by the kitchen dining room area, and I'm trying to get her shoe off. And I, and it's kind of still a little bit shadowy, dark in there. I didn't turn the lights on yet, but light enough. It's still light up. And I see this little thing kind of scurrying across the floor, and then it ran over my daughter's foot and kept going. And I switched the light on, and it was a fucking scorpion. Oh my god, I was gonna. It I was, was just thinking a, of that. Oh god, yeah, and, the, and people think of those big black ones. No, these things are these tiny ass little brown, skinny wiener looking things, and and they just they like look like they sway back and forth when they run. Their tail like sways, like you see like a shark would swim in water. That's how they look when they run. And it was like I stopped the fuck out of this thing. It was so crazy that I stopped so hard it killed it, but it like in it kept itself intact because the exoskeleton, <laughs> so it looked like it was alive, like it was not even smashed a bit. But I crushed the inside of it, and I just took it outside and threw it over the fucking wall. So yeah, it was it, Arizona's pretty interesting, man. Like a lot of crazy shit happened. I, I, we had a party one night, and these guys got drunk and left to go to the gas station to get some stuff. So they cut through like a little field, which is more like a desert with cactuses. This dude tripped and fell onto a cactus, and he came back to our house, and he had these huge ass cactus thorns sticking into his hand. His name was oh, Phil. Not my, not my old roommate, Phil. This is another guy named Phil. And uh, we had to take these pliers. And we, like, clamped onto these things and ripped them out of his hand. <laughs> so, I mean, That's it's a beautiful brutal. place, but it's fucking dangerous. Yeah. We didn't see anything dangerous. We we hiked up Camelback Mountain uh, on that Friday, when the day after we got there. And we saw a lizard sitting on a rock. That was about that was about the extent of our wildlife Dude, tour. you just saw, like, 47,000 lizards sitting on rocks. My son caught a lizard, for Christ's sake. Yeah, well, we weren't trying to catch it. I think JC actually took a picture of it. We were such stories. Um, 
But yeah, we we flew out there, flew back. It was great. Uh, the flights were great. But uh, you know, somebody that did not have a very good flight was uh, that that United Airlines shit that just happened. That doctor, where oh, yeah, yeah, the dude was on the plane, <laughs> bought his ticket, but somebody from United Airlines uh, needed to go somewhere, so they like told the dude that he had to get off the plane so that the, the United employee could go take his spot. Like They offered him some compensation and shit, but he's like, no, fuck off. So instead of like maybe going to somebody else or seeing if there was a volunteer or something, they just had the police come on and beat the shit out of the dude and then drag him off the plane. <laughs> he fucking, did you hear how what he sounded like? So <laughs> he sounded like a, like a velociraptor was mauling yeah. a pig. Like, like in this age where every stupid little thing gets recorded, how could you possibly do something that dumb? Like their stock dropped like a shit ton yesterday. Oh, almost <laughs> nine hundred million. They lost nine hundred million with a worth worth of stock. Yeah. Like, did you know that dude ran back on the plane and he like he was all I did beat not the hear shit. About that. Yeah, he was. He ran back on the plane. He's sitting in the back, and he's like, "I gotta go home. I gotta go home. I gotta go home." And then he's like, "You just kill me. You have to kill me." <laughs> I mean, this dude was a warrior. He would have fit right in with Mel Gibson in Braveheart. Like this guy, he was not going out without a fight. I don't know how they ended up getting him off the flight, but he's gonna sue the shit out of him. And there's no oh, way yeah. he's gonna lose. He's going to be very rich. Like, man, at that point, I'm almost like. Sue me, like fucking beat my ass and drag me on the plane. It's like, yeah. sue your ass. I mean, did you see like people started posting reports like, uh, about his history? Like that had anything to do with it? Like, cause he used to, he was oh. a doctor and he lost his license or something over some medication that he got illegally. Uh, so he lost his license for like eight years as if that's why he got his ass kicked by a bunch of police. Yeah, I think and, they, and, they, yeah. they even brought up like he, he like paid for sex with like prescription drugs or something like that. Basically there, I think it was just like a publicity <laughs> shit to get him like dragged through the mud to make people not be sympathetic to him. But everybody that I've ever seen in any of the comment sections of any of those articles, they're all still pro this dude. Like they they say fuck United. United they're not getting away with it. They thought they could drag him through the mud, but typical big wigs fuck him. They lost. I hope he gets them for two hundred million. Especially Steve the way he Majors. squeals. Yeah. Steve Majors in the comments are on the chat room. He says the dude should have left the plane. He is a piece of shit. <laughs> Why is he a piece of shit? I mean, I just because he has uh, a bad. I, I guess he says he was slinging drugs. That's that's what he was doing as a doctor. But again, 2005, that's 12 years ago. Dude, not slinging drugs now. Yeah, I mean, even if he is, it doesn't give him the right to fucking maul him on a plane and drag him off. I don't know if he was just like limp on purpose when they're dragging him off, but it looked like he was knocked out. So I'm not not sure. It's pretty brutal. I I had a similar, like no beatdowns or anything um, that that took place on on my flight back. There was this really fat dude uh, and his buddy that bought three seats for the two of them. And they had like a, somebody bought like an extra seat, like where if somebody could not fly on the plane, that they would be able to be the first one in line to, to get on the the plane. And they saw, Oh yeah, there's an extra seat. So they just gave the extra seat to the extra person. And this dude was pissed. (laughs) 
like because he spent extra money for an extra seat. So when we got off the plane, he was just going at it, yelling at the the poor lady at the front desk uh, right by the, the the gate, and he's just like, "I bought an extra seat because I'm I'm heavy guy, and and you guys gave it gave it away. Like I want a refund. <laughs> I want my money back. Like he was pissed." Yeah, sir, no, no matter how much you try, you were not two people. <laughs> you were one <laughs> fucking huge dude that needs to get get his life together. Maybe this was like, you know, pick me up. He realizes, shit, I can't, can't always count on two airline seats. I better slim the fuck down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, dude, I have an airline store. I, I, I remember I was flying to L.A. and uh, I, I ended up getting on this flight. And I, Alan Ruck was on it. He's actually the dude from Ferris Bueller, Cameron. Oh, Do you know shit. who Alan yeah. Ruck is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's it's on it, dude. Good. And and uh, <laughs> I was flying with a a girl. It's one. He's she's her name's Cassie. She's married to Brett now. One of our good buddies. But she flew out to L.A. with us. And we got off the plane. We walked up to him and uh, started talking to him. And dude, you could tell he was visibly annoyed. Like people are just always fucking with him. He had this like redheaded chick that I walked up and I was like. <laughs> what's going on, man? I'm Brandon. This is Cassie. You know, he's like, Hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I was like, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's LA. Yeah. And he goes, well, I live here. <laughs> I'm like, fucking doy. I go, Oh yeah. Well, what are you flying from Ohio for? He's like, Oh, my nephew had a graduation party. He lives in, in Cincinnati. He says, he just looked like, and I didn't even like address him as a person. I was like, I walked up to him and I go, Hey, you're that guy from Ferris Bueller, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> totally like total noob job dude. that's such a dumbass i look over and casey's just like rolling her eyes at me it's like <laughs> i like i finally get to la and I don't, I don't handle stars very well apparently i was starstruck by a fucking ferris bueller character but it, you know i'll tell you what his, his ginger girlfriend was extremely nice so maybe they do have souls i don't know there you go <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's um, a, on my way back yeah. Yeah, on my way back from Vegas the last time, I uh, we we took a flight where it was weird. Instead of going straight from Vegas to the Detroit airport, we went from Vegas to L.A., a layover, and then to to Detroit. But man, when we finally got on the plane from L.A. to Detroit, I'm not joking, man. I almost threw up like 12 times. I had a window wow. seat, and the person next to me. And then the person in the aisle, because it was three seats, um, were the smelliest Asians <laughs> in history. <laughs> and it wasn't like B.O. It was something like Fierce. it was just nasty stank. And it like I, I could not like I could not like picture what it could be. I'd never smelled something like that before. Maybe it was like cooked dog or something. I don't know. It was brutal. And I just spent like the whole trip, like trying to like pinch my nose shut, because every time I like inhaled through my nose, I started like almost retching. It was Shit. bad, and I did sit there like that for fucking three and a half hours. How do you think your awful. fucking couch? How do you think your couch feels? I mean, when you sit on it for eighteen hours playing video games, it's probably plugging yeah. its nose too. <laughs> I tell you what, dude. If you go, if, if when you're hammered and you know how you all sweat your ass off when you're hammered, 
Yeah. If you if you took your sweaty hammered hammeredness and and mixed it with that Asian, we'd probably win the fucking World War Three without having to send any troops. Just drop that shit on them. <laughs> clear it out. <laughs> oh, clear out of the country. Oh yeah. Uh, no, those fucking. What did like? Give me give me an example of this smell. I'm familiar with the Asian community. <laughs> no, tell you what I, it I is. Mean, it wasn't like shit, but it reminded me of shit. So it's not like they they dumped they took a dump in their <laughs> pants, but like maybe they'd <laughs> like eaten dog ass or something. <laughs> I honestly don't know. It was just gross. <laughs> Dude, they cook with a lot of fish sauce. That shit can get a little bit ripe if you don't clean it off your hands. I don't think it was rotten fish. I mean, I, <laughs> I honestly couldn't picture it. And they were acting like nothing was wrong. Like, they just smell like that all the time. Not a big deal. <laughs> but, man, like, my eyes were rolling. My eyes were rolling. Dude, I got to tell you this real quick. I have a, a similar issue. But I can't tell you where it is. HIPAA. But I, 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 I had... At one point in time in this lifetime, I came across a patient that took off his shoes for a medical appointment, and there was cat shit inside of his shoes, and it just oh, poured out. Gross. Oh yeah, like and this dude smelled fucking horrendous. Shoes, and he never noticed. Dude, they smell like complete cat shit, piss, jizz, anything. It's just horrible. And they just stroll in like it's no big deal. This is this is I can't tell you where or when this was. But this happened, and then when they went to an appointment, they took their shoes off, and literally shit fell out of their shoes. And it smells horrible. This is the shit that you deal with in the medical profession. There's times where I've had patients that are just unreasonably smelly to the point where, like, you don't know how anybody lives with them. Like, and they have people that live with them. Like, there was a woman that I had, a patient I had, you know, a long time ago that she smelled so bad that the doctor had to prescribe her, like, some serious, like, antifungal type uh, shampoo or like body wash stuff and like literally had to hound her about her personal hygiene told her she can't come in here anymore unless she takes care of her hygiene and she was <laughs> not even there for any, she was there for pain <laughs> she wasn't there for anything other than she had some pain so yeah dude, I mean doctors will tell you I, I tell you what man when I was going through University of Arizona and I was doing molecular biology stuff and I was you know um, doing some chaperoning stuff for the pre-med program, dude, they will, they hound you on hygiene. They're huge on hygiene. And some of these doctors will say bluntly that you smell like shit. Mm-hmm. And I, and I saw it firsthand the looks on these patients faces. Like you could tell they don't even realize they smell so horrible. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's interesting how you can get used to your own scent. Yeah. That's, it's a scientific fact. Like if you, get around a specific smell for a long enough time, your nose just kind of fil- your brain just kind of filters that smell out. Like, it's oh, like, okay, yeah. whatever. This is always here. So, uh, <laughs> Steve said, uh, when the guy brought in uh, the shit shoe, he said it was, uh, the old cat poop Trojan shoe. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know what he was. Tr- I mean, I don't know who he was trying to trick with that Trojan yeah. shoe. Maybe so while like, you were like distracted by the shit shoe, he was like, <laughs> he stole some drugs or something. <laughs> There's no or drugs there, I'll tell you that. Some tongue depressors. <laughs> yeah. To do what? Clean out his toe jam? That fucking guy. <laughs> and there's not there was no Trojan about it. He smelled like shit and he looked like shit, so it's not like he it's not like he came in fucking spick and span and took his shoe off with a you know, Trojan <laughs> shit in it. I mean he was the he was the shit. So. Yeah. Oh, I I wanna run something by you. 
has nothing to do with anything else, but it was while I was in Arizona. We went, JC and I, uh, my little brother, went to our first In-N-Out burger ever. Oh, yeah. And I got to say, burger, awesome. Fries, not so much. People were hyping up the fries. I got them animal style. I didn't think they were that good. Maybe it was a bad batch, but... Uh, no, you're not. Was, it's not a bad brand. Listen, man, I'm going to tell you straight up. Uh, first time I had In-N-Out burgers, I got to Arizona. I was there maybe a day or two, and my, my supervisor in the military at the time, Dave, he he took me there, and I was super jacked because, you know, it's a hype, like, um, it's a hype, like yeah. almost legendary status. You know what I mean? You got to try this. Nothing like it. Blah, blah, blah. And I went there, and I was... Don't get me wrong. It's good. It's not bad at all. It's actually pretty damn good. But you have this – it's like a situation where you're so looking forward to it, and then you eat it. It's just all it is is a fucking pretty decent burger with some, like, Thousand Island dressing type thing on it, it and the fries are kind of soggy a little bit. It's just – it was. It did not live up to the hype for me, and I was, it, it got to the point where, like, I didn't go there again for, like, probably a year or two because I was just mm-hmm. like, this – fuck – I was so disappointed in them. But the last year I was there, I started going there more often. And the bur- like, you're right, the burgers are really good. Like the buns toasted and buttered, and you know, every, it's just a good burger. But the fries are, they're they're just fresh cut. That's it. Yeah. And the same with like, Five I Guys. The fries were gross. Yeah, I and like Five Guys, guys is a, well, no, I don't hate Five Guys, but when I first heard about Five Guys, I was out in Arizona too, and I know they're everywhere now. But at the time, I, I didn't. When I moved there, I didn't have them here, and they only had them like out west coast. I was pretty sure, but that was the first time I saw them. And when I went in there. You know, I had I had the same expectations. I was like, oh, this is good. It's just a fat burger. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I guess when you hype shit up so much, you, you got to live up to that, that, that reputation. You know what I mean? You can't just be good. You got to be great if somebody's going to, mm-hmm. you know, throw you on a pedestal. It's like fucking 40-year-old virgin. You know, you're putting the pussy on a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the best burger you've ever had? Maybe we'll we'll transition from there. The best burger I've ever had? Yeah. Like people always want to know where the best burger is. <clears throat> like, oh, what, what do you think would live up to the hype if somebody tried it? That fucking that burger we got at the Tribe game. Oh, yeah. That, that, that burger had like, yeah, we built that burger and we got the, the, the pulled pork on it. Remember? We had that yeah, barbecue that pulled sick. pork on top of it. That was it. What's that place called? It's in, it's in I Tribe. I think it was, was Build-A-Burger. It, yeah, it's, it is called Build-A-Burger. Yeah. Hemi, t- Hemi took me to this. We went to the Rangers-Indians game last year. We went and got this burger, and it was just fucking lights out. <laughs> I, I To this day, I still remember it, and I like it was like probably one of my favorite parts of the game, especially since they lost in, in, in extra inning. Rangers I'll did. tell you the best burger I've ever had, and you'll need to have this sometime before you die. It's uh, in Ohio. It's called uh, Thurman's Cafe. It, there's a, a a location in Columbus, and then they just branched out and they have a spot in Marysville that opened up uh, like a few years back. But they have a burger called the Therminator. It is <laughs> the biggest burger you've ever seen in your life. It's, I hey, would say it's hey. about nine inches tall, maybe a little taller. It's got like, like my dick. No, I'm just <laughs> hey, so it's called the ther- it's called the Therminator. The Therminator. So is it's it like, like a two? Like a yeah. <laughs> is it a sophisticated sex burger sent back through time? <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's like two three-quarter pound patties. It's got a pound of ham on it. It's got like a half pound of caramelized onions, like 
six different types of cheeses and then just a shit ton of like lettuce and uh, pickles and all that other shit and two buns. Like the bottom bun is just goo by the time you get to it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's actually a burger out in Tucson from Lindy's. It was on man vs. food. It's fucking like yeah. 12 patties, uh, like stacked. Pre- oh yeah. Yeah. The, it was the, the second location is called son of Thurman's. So yeah, Brett says you just passed it this past weekend when you were uh, driving up to, to see um, Wes and those guys. Hey, you know, me and Wes went and or, visited or, Bob this weekend, and we went to Dickie's Barbecue. <laughs> Dude, we had two stoner-ass kids, like, trying to give us our food. And there's this black guy with a fucking uh, uh, black and mild, like, in his ear. He skipped the whole line. He just went to the where you pay and tried to order. And the dude's like, <laughs> the stoner kids are staring at him, had no idea how to even respond to this. He's just like, uh... Yeah, you ordered down there. And the guy's like, well, you know, I already made it through. Can I order now? He's like, I'm the I'm the last person you see. <laughs> like, just, basically, this, basically what it was is this fucking teenage stoner kid was basically trained to do this job. And his fucking caveman mindset couldn't even decipher how to go back on the steps. You know what I mean? In his mind, he was trained steps A through fucking D. And he's not going to D, C, you know what I mean? He had to go A through D in that order as his mind was going to explode. So he couldn't help this dude. And he, he literally just looked this dude in the eye and then just looks at us and goes, what are you going to have for your sides? <laughs> like, dude, totally ignored this dude. Like, he had no idea. We ended up getting, everything was awesome except for the ribs were like burnt fucking ass crack. Those things are like hard as a rock. No, but everything else no was really Jimmy good. G's. There are no Jimmy G's ribs. Fuck no, they are not Jimmy G's, and I will, I will hand you that. But I'll tell you what, they had the, their shells and mac and cheese shells. Like, it's just, that might be one of the best things I've ever had in my life. Like, it's almost worth the trip to go get their mac and cheese down there. And you have these fucking stoner kids slopping it in there for you. They know you're hungry. <laughs> Shit yeah. was crazy. When I was at Little Miss Barbecue, like, that place is so popular in Phoenix, like, people start lining up an hour before they even open. So we got there like 45 minutes before they opened and we were, the line started getting pretty long and I'd say like 15 minutes before they opened some like old ass Asian dude like walks over and like, just gets like fifth in line in front of everybody. And I was like, what the fuck is this? But I didn't do anything, say anything. And all the big though. black dude. And this big black dude just walks up to him. He's like, yo, taps him on the shoulder. He's like, get the fuck in the back of the line. <laughs> the dude just, like, sulks over in the back of the line. It was hilarious. Hey, like, I've been waiting here for an hour. <laughs> yeah, it was some bull- I I was so happy that somebody did something because, like, we, we, we put our time in. Like, we we got there early. Dude, there, there's no way I'm not saying something and somebody cut in front of me in line. I'm yeah. fucking – I'm too confrontational. <laughs> like, get back in the line before I shove my brisket up your cock. Get out All of right. Here. <laughs> now we gotta we gotta knock you down a peg here because two weeks ago we made a friendly wager about the Cleveland Indians versus Texas Rangers opening series, uh, the first three games of each team's respective uh, season this year, and basically the loser would have to read a prepared statement written by the winner. And the Indians ended up sweeping the series. That's pretty much the only thing they've done all season. They're four and four now after losing today. So, but uh, thankfully they did. They they rose to the occasion just for me. So I did write something for you, Brandon. And I think it's about time we get uh, myself and everybody listening gets a chance to hear it. 
tell you what, man. Sam Dyson should be on this show right now, our closer, <laughs> reading this fucking statement with me. That son of a bitch blew two ninth-inning fucking games for us against you. I would have won. I knew you would have to read a brutal statement. Now mm-hmm. I'm forced to read this shit. Whatever. I got it. I'll enthusiastically read it for you. All right, here we go. My name is Brandon Sharples, and the Cleveland Indians are the best team in baseball. They took my Rangers out behind the woodshed and beat the absolute shit out of them last week. I may publicly say that I hate Corey Kluber, but just like boys in elementary school, I only pick on him because I'm attracted to him. And lastly, I love Ohio State football so much, I named my first son Braxton after their star quarterback, who is one of the best athletes to ever play amateur sports. There we go. Love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, I can tell for... how much you meant that. <laughs> hey, my Braxton's the only Braxton that matters. I don't need Braxton <laughs> fucking Miller. Now, did you name him like, what, like a year or something before Braxton Miller showed up? Or what What happened with that? Because I got to know. Uh, I, think, I think Braxton was Braxton Miller was probably a freshman QB. I think he played. Yeah. I mean, he's known, but I didn't name him after that. There's actually this wrestler in high school. His name was Brax Dunn with a D, and uh, I, he was a really good wrestler. He won a couple of state titles in high school, and I always really liked that name. And I was like thinking for years, I was like, I wonder if I was going to name my kid something like that. You know, I, was, I wonder what I'd name my son one day. Well, we were picking names for Braxton when Bianca was pregnant at the time, and uh, you know she was throwing out all these names, and I said Braxton with a T, and she's like, Yeah, I like that. I was like, All right, so I named him. I named him Braxton Eason, and then. She's like, fine, you named our son. I'm going to name your daughter. Well, she had some other name picked out. Well, then I named her Brooklyn Elizabeth, so I named both my, I named both my kids. There you <laughs> I go. took control Went of that shit. I, that. Yeah. I want an alpha male. I didn't want some whack-ass name for my beautiful daughter and pimp son. So, but right, you I have had to live with uh, people giving you the Ohio State shit ever since, right? I don't give a fuck. I love my boy. He's going to be more athletic than Braxton Miller anyways. Kid's already doing parkour and he's fucking five. <laughs> probably went to the zoo recently, right? No. Oh, that was my other son, Grayson. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's Sorry. he's young. He's sixteen months old. He he he's a young and he's he's got the long hair. Matter of fact, yeah, that's the one. Uh, I saw. Soft I, picture. I, I, me and his me and his mother took him to get some tacos the other day because we took him to the park and stuff. And me and Des took him to this taco joint right next to my house and. He, you know, we're leaving and he, we get him out of the chair and he runs across the freaking restaurant and runs straight to this booth to talk to this lady. And this lady like picks him up. She's like, "It's she's so beautiful. I just love her." And I, I'm across the freaking restaurant. I'm like, "He's a boy." And Des is like, "Oh, thank you so much, but he's a boy though." <laughs> she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." So yeah, my son, he's very pretty. He has his long hair, so he looks like a girl. But yeah. That happens constantly. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Fun fact. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, let's move on. We got uh, – there's not a ton going on in the world of sports. Like, NBA's just starting to wind down. Like, I think today's one of the last days of the regular season. But I think the playoffs are pretty much locked in. Um, like, LeBron's sitting tonight, which pisses me off because I think the Cavs, if they win, get the number one seed. And, like, why would you not want to play for that where – home court means everything in the NBA, like way more than every other sport combined, at least to me. Uh, I don't know about what you think about it, but 
I don't know why you wouldn't be playing for for home court all the way through. Um, I don't know. But yeah. So, Apparently Ricky Rubio anyway. isn't playing tonight because I'm playing. Yeah. I have a DraftKings lineup and I played Ricky Rubio and apparently Ooh. he's not playing. God damn it! All my other players are tearing shit up too. Fucking, mm-hmm. I'm never gonna win 50k on that damn place. I want to. I want to. <laughs> Ryan Lockwood. He always he always says that one day I'm gonna end up on a damn like fan duel commercial or something. <laughs> I'm like I gotta win fucking first. You know, I've been trying to play this shit. I've had a couple of pretty good chunk chunk of change wins, but I've never won that top prize of like 50k. I think that'd be just tits. Mm-hmm. So we'll get it done. Yeah. But NBA, Cavs, I don't even like basketball. Yeah, the Cavs are currently getting the shit kicked out of them by 17. So good, fuck them. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan. So, well, I know that we're not like super into the NBA, but. I mean, we at least want to throw down a couple predictions on what we think happens. So, is there like, who's your finals? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta take the Cavs because they have LeBron, and I'm sure that they could run through that East if they really wanted to and buckled down. And then ah, I'm taking Golden State. I mean, it's just gonna be a rematch. The NBA's NBA's like that. It's like one of those things where. You, you you have a lot of chalk. I mean, you'll have an upset here and there, but nothing crazy other than last year's NBA Finals. I mean, that was it was rare to see an upset like that. So I mean, I, you can project you can predict chalk, and this is pretty much going to happen. So I, I'm going to take Golden State versus the Cavs. All right, I'm going to go a little crazy. I love the Cavs, but I think they've been playing like absolute dog shit this year. Yeah, so I don't think they make it. I think Toronto makes it out of the East. And it's going to be Toronto, San Antonio, and San Antonio wins. Because they're about due. You know, they win one about every three or four years. So, Kawhi Leonard you know, is pretty I, damn good. I, I'm, not, I'm not enough of an NBA guru to, uh, to, you know, really throw any shade at that. But I, I, the only thing is, is that San Antonio, you know, they don't have that veteran leadership in, in Tim yeah, Duncan no anymore. They still yeah. got Tony Parker in Ginobili. So. True, but that I mean, they don't contribute as much, you know. You know, and, they and, are good. They, they're the second-best record in the NBA. I mean, they're tough. I'm not going to say that's, that's an outlandish prediction, but now that Durant's back, I think Golden State – I mean, how many have they won in a row now? 13, 14, something like that? Uh, they just lost. So, But they were on a before long that, streak. They won. Yeah, before that, they were on a big streak, yeah. I mean, they're playing lights out right now. Yeah, they just lost to the Jazz, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like before that, they oh yeah, they won a huge they won a huge run. And look at all the teams they beat. I mean, they beat a couple of playoffs. They beat the Rockets two times. Uh, they beat Grizzlies. They beat the Thunder, uh, Wizards. So look at all the playoff teams they beat. So mm-hmm. I mean, they went on a nice run. I think I think they're still the team to beat now that Durant. You know, they're first in the league in points per game. They're first in assists. You know, they're they're eleventh in points allowed. So I mean, their D's not bad. So I mean, there's really mm-hmm. nothing. There's nothing the Warriors are doing that's telling me that they're not going to win. I don't know. I like the Spurs. I really do. I think they could pull it off. Like, if they can slow the game down, I mean, Pau Gasol, LaMarcus Aldridge on the inside, Kawhi Leonard on the outside, Tony Parker dishing it. I think I think they they got the lineup that might threaten them. So. That, that's Maybe. my team. I'm thinking San Antonio. Dude, I'm excited about these young teams. I'll tell you what, I am excited about these young teams. Like, Philly and Minnesota – they got a super awesome young core. I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see a shift, a shift in, in these teams, and, and I, you're going to see those guys starting to rise. 
If not, then I don't know well, what, what the fuck you say because Philly, they're loaded. Philly needs to get some results where all these number one picks they keep getting. No, like yeah. they've just been loading up on them. They had, they they had too many big men. They had to start trading them away. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, it's crazy. But they got but they got Ben Simmons coming next year. You know, they thought that he was the next LeBron James coming out of college, even though that didn't pan out in my opinion. But mm-hmm. yeah. The NBA is all right, man. I mean, Westbrook, he took a lot of shots. <laughs> he took a lot of shots, man. I mean, I, I know his stats are awesome, and I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, discriminating against his stat line just because of, you know, how many shots he took. But at the end of the day, efficiency matters. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're pretty much chalking up how many shots did he have a game, I mean, it was insane. I can, mm-hmm. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now for everybody. He had 31 <laughs> points per game. Let's see how many how many attempts he had. You, you got to give him a little slack because I watched that team play in person this past weekend. And, and they Oklahoma and City, everybody around him is complete garbage. Like He's shooting 24 shots. 2017, and Kyle Singler gets real minutes on that team. No, I get it. Like, I mean that's what bad. that's the thing. Like, they say that he, he should have had he should have had 15 assists, but those guys those guys could not make a goddamn shot to save their life. It was yeah the other they night were like Sabonis Sabonis like started and played. The second, like, the second he started focusing to assist mode to try to get the triple double at the end of the game, like that's like when the game really got out of hand because he was the only person that could score at will. Like his everyone yeah, else was sure. so terrible. Yeah, but he's, like I mean, he's shooting the yeah. ball 24 times a game. That was – and he shot 42% from the field, which not that good. But, um, you know, yeah. like you were saying – I couldn't believe the they had a winning record, honestly, yeah, the, watching I mean, them yeah. play. The team – I mean, they're tough, though. I mean, just with him. If you take him off that team, they are horrible. They're one of the, they, They're probably the worst team in the league, I bet. All right, we got – about eight minutes till Sean Loeffler calls in, but uh, we have a question here from the chat room. Mr. Uh, Brett Lobb said, let's hear what Sharples thinks about Florida going into this year after uh, their spring game. And what are you looking at to see from Ohio state in their spring game, Hemi, uh, with the new offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. So let's uh, get your thoughts first, Brandon. Uh, I think Florida is going to be a dark horse team this year to make the playoffs. They're loaded. Um, Kyle, Kyle Trask is their backup quarterback. He just got hurt. But, but Felipe Franks had a hell of a spring game. I thought he looked awesome. I watched that. Um, I rewatched the game online. And he was. Th- we finally have a quarterback that can throw dimes down the, down the field. I'm talking dimes. This dude has a cannon. Kyle Bowler cannon, you know, sitting on his knee throwing at 80 yards type cannon. Uh, finally got, got some playmakers. Our receivers – are the best receivers I've seen basically in the last 10 years. Everything uh, Antonio Callaway is looking – he had some ridiculous plays in the spring game. Um, our our defense is, is basically coming back as far as <clears throat> defensive line goes. C.C. Jefferson's probably an All-American candidate. And uh, we, we got some we, – we, we got a kicker for once. <laughs> Benera is coming back. I mean everything. Everything's lining up for us. Martez Ivy on the line. He he's an All American candidate. Um, I, I I expect to 
to really produce this year. I think we'll win the SEC East again for sure. I think that uh, we're going to beat Michigan in the opening weekend. I think Michigan lost a lot. People people say different, but I don't I don't see Michigan. I think they're going to regress this year. I think Ohio State's going to take them to the woodshed. And uh, but I think that uh, Florida Florida's probably going to definitely be going to the uh, SEC title game again and. I don't know, man. The way that offense is looking right now, and that defense is always solid, always a top ten defense in the country. I don't, I don't see how uh, I can say that there's not a chance that they can beat Bama. I mean, I think they, I think they got a shot this year. I think this is the best I've seen Florida look in the last eight years. So I'm, I'm, I'm super, super pumped. Yeah, hopefully their offense is better this year because last year this no, it, was it's, like old it, defense. No, I'm telling you, man, it, it's looking light years better, and there's nothing but extreme optimism coming out of that. So, looks like Sean yeah. Lo- uh, Sean just shared our post, so he should be coming yep. on soon. Yep, five more minutes. Now, but, uh, uh, for me far, with Ohio State, yeah, for me with Ohio there's State. A, oh, go ahead. This is real quick. I want. I I know I stopped there, but <clears throat> they got a couple of guys on the on Florida that people need to really pay attention to. And there's Brandon Powell. He, he's a, he's a short little speedy receiver and Dre Massey do. They're going to, they're going to do some work in the slot. And, uh, you know, there's also, um, they got Freddie Swain who's like this return guy. He's going to be badass. I mean, everybody, everybody's looking good this year. Marcus May is going to be a hell of a, uh, hell of a DB. He's going to be looking to, to get some hardware this year. Our, our running backs, I say, I say us and Bama have, a top five stable of running backs in the country right now. Hands down. Yeah, I can believe it. Yep. And uh, so I'm super, super excited Just to give you guys a couple of names like uh, Lamerica uh, Payrine. He's our running back. Uh, we got Mark Thompson. He was a transfer. And then we got Jordan Scarlett, who's tough. They're all, and they're all freshmen. They're all freshmen and sophomores. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting time, man. I'm pumped for Gainesville this year. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Ohio state's going to be good too. I mean, a lot of people thought that they could uh, win it all last year. Uh, JT Barrett's back for one more year, which is crazy. He's feel like he's been there forever. Um, they did lose a lot of big guys. I mean, uh, Hooker, Lattimore, their secondary, you know, got decimated. Um, they also lost two of their best receivers, uh, Brown and Samuel. But, man, you know what? The, like, sometimes you get addition by subtraction, and that subtraction was their offensive coordinator who sucked massive donkey balls. And that dude had so much talent and he could not get that offense chugging along at all. Um, I think their offensive line will be better. They've got the number two recruiting class, possibly urban Meyer's best recruiting class ever coming in. Like they had like four five-star recruits, maybe I think five actually. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're loaded. They're reloading. Uh, I think Benjamin Victor is going to be a breakout receiver. The dude's like six foot four, super athletic. Um, Maybe in the secondary, I mean, it always seems like they don't just rebuild; they like kind of reload with all the the guys that come in. So I'm thinking, uh, Kerry Combs or uh, sorry, uh, Damon Webb, Eric Smith will be fine. Uh, Damon Arnett, Denzel Ward for corners. Those guys, you know, by the end of the year they'll be talking about them winning awards and shit because that's just kind of what happens uh, with Ohio State when when they lose somebody, they that somebody else steps right in because they've got so many good talented young guys. So I expect Ohio State to, to win the big 10 and maybe go to the playoffs and lose again. I don't know if they'll win it, but I think they'll make the playoffs. Yeah. Better, better now than never. But uh, 
What's their schedule looking like? I know they got Oklahoma again. Yeah, uh, the let's see, the spring games this Saturday at noon be on the Big Ten Network. Uh, Oklahoma, Army, UNLV, so uh, not the toughest, uh, but Oklahoma yeah, will be I'm, tough. But, but we're getting, Army, we're UNLV will be basically two up games. I don't think they're yeah. facing a, a Mac school this year, so that's that's interesting. They always usually play a Mac school just for. So do we? We are not this year either. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Northern Colorado, but it's actually sandwiched in between. It's Michigan, Northern Colorado, and then Tennessee. So we got, you know, th- two of our first three games are going to be real tests. And then we end up, uh, we play LSU at home. We play Texas A&M at home, Georgia and Jacksonville. Uh, then we play Florida State at home. So we got, we got yeah. and Tennessee at home. And, and then we pay, play Michigan and, and Dallas at a neutral site. So, I mean, we got a, a brutal schedule, but we got a lot of home games that, you know, so hopefully that, that plays in our favor. So I can mm-hmm. I can definitely see us. You know, there's a couple of teams that could beat us. Like obviously, Michigan could beat us. LSU could beat us. Florida State could beat us. But I could also see us beating all them teams. I mean, at the end of the day, you're looking at one to two losses, in my opinion. Yeah, and same with Ohio State. Like the the tough games for me at Nebraska, October 14th, and then obviously at Michigan, last regular season game of the year, November 25th. That's that's the real one where they're you're gonna test their metal for sure. But, I mean, all the other tough games, they're home. Oklahoma's home. Uh, Penn State will be home. So, Michigan State, if they bounce back this year, that'll be home. So I'm going to take Penn State, be, to, Penn State to win the Big Ten this year. They might. I mean, they were really good last year. They were one of the yeah, best second-half teams I've ever seen. And they bring they bring everybody back, so everybody that matters. So, mm-hmm. I'm taking Penn State. What you think about that? Hey, it could happen. They were pretty good last year. <laughs> well, I don't know. Anybody but Florida State and Ohio State, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be nice if Florida yeah. State and Ohio State played each other and then just the stadium collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brett does bring up a good point on why the Mac schools aren't on there anymore. He says they're trying to schedule some uh, tougher non-conference games now that uh, it's on the committee's slash uh, strength of schedule. So that's oh, for sure. In. So yeah, yeah makes smart. That, that's a benefit Florida, of the playoff. Florida's playing Michigan. This is the first time we played a, a opener outside the state of Florida in a couple decades, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and to play a team like Michigan for Florida uh, conference, that's big because uh, our out of conference schedule is always tough at the end of the year with like Florida state and stuff. But, uh, and my, we usually put Miami and Florida state in there. But this is the first time we went and got a, a Big Ten powerhouse to go play. So I'm pretty excited yep. about that game. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, I believe we are joined by our uh, first ever uh, guest for the At Odds podcast. One of my favorite people I have ever talked to in my life uh, while I was covering mixed martial arts. He is a MMA fighter. He is now a, a pro boxer. This guy has some of the craziest stories you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Sean, the destroyer Loeffler has joined us uh, from California. Sean, how you doing tonight, man? Dude, I'm doing good. I just got done with my run. I got my, my team here because, you know, this is our basically um, last training session with the whole team and coaches before we uh, fight on Saturday, you know, weigh ends on, on, on Friday and then fight Saturday. So, we just uh, took a little break to make sure I could get on your guys' show and, and be the first guest, which I'm honored about, by the way. You guys are fucking awesome. And, 
yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys. Appreciate oh, that, yeah, man. man. Thanks. Definitely. Yep. So let's talk about the transition. I mean, you were just kicking ass and taking names in MMA, and then you decided to, to switch over to boxing. So, you know, what led to that decision, and uh, how, did, how did you get here from there? Yeah, I mean, um, most people that, that know me know I did amateur boxing. I was an amateur boxer, you know, silver gloves, golden gloves, and, and, and tried to, you know, do some of the uh, the world, world games and the um, national showdowns and stuff. So, But that was back, fuck, man, that was back, like, 94, 93, 95, when I was, like, you know, you know, doing silver gloves and then gold gloves up to a 14 or So you're just talking about, like, little kids' matches once in a while, you know. And then when I was, like, 17 – started doing more more boxing and I was really thinking like man um I'm gonna do the whole like I could maybe make a run maybe if I if I if I do good in the uh you know the desert showdown which is a big tournament you know and, and then the Kansas City Nationals and Golden Gloves like I can maybe do an Olympic team run or whatever and that was that was in 99 and um it realistically I was just like um looking at everything but I knew jiu-jitsu, and I knew how to wrestle, and I'd fought, and I got an opportunity to do a pro MMA fight. Um, I was actually in the corner. Tito Ortiz was fucking there. Rob McCullough was there uh, back in the day. Um, and it was an opportunity where a guy got injured from team punishment, and I was an amateur fighter, and my uh, my manager and coaches were there, and the promoter runs back. It's like, what happened? They're like, dude, he slipped and fell. He cut his head on this guardrail. One of my teammates cut his head on a guardrail walking into the fight. And I was talking shit. Actually, I was talking shit about his opponent, too. This huge fucking black dude with muscles was supposed to fight my, my teammate. And I knew I was an amateur fighter and not fighting that day. So, of course, I was 17. I'm like, oh, fuck that dude up. And Jason's like, can this guy kill you, Shelby? What are you talking about? You're 17. I was like, yeah, he's lucky I'm not fighting him. Well, Jay gets hurt because he's wearing these DVS slippers that people used to buy at surf shops. And, like, they were, like, <laughs> slipper shoes in the back room. He fucking slips, cut his head. So the promoter runs back. is like, what's up? And my, uh, my fucking coaches are like, um, hey, Jason, give Sean your cup and your gloves. So I'm holding Jason's cup and gloves, assuming, like, I guess we're going to the hospital. And they look at me, and I look at them, and they go, you said you could fuck him up. And I go, I was just talking shit. I, didn't, I don't want to fucking fight, bro. <laughs> and, then, and then they were like, Sean, you just said you're going to fuck that dude up. Put the fucking gloves and put the cup on and go out there. And they fucking gave me some unmolded mouthpiece, and that was my actually pro debut. So that's how it kind of – it was kind of so fucking random um, down in uh, Mexico uh, – so it was like one of those kind of crazy fucking um, randomness that I turned pro in MMA. So my teammate got fucking hurt, and I was the amateur fighter doing, you know, amateur MMA and amateur boxing. Um, and then I guess then I just realized, well, fuck, I can't be, I can't do fucking boxing anymore because I just turned pro in MMA, and everybody saw me knock this fucking really buff dude out. And I'm like a kid. So, uh, so then I just kept fighting. You know, I, I I got the right people behind me with MMA and kept fighting. But the whole time. And I don't mean to say this to be cliche, but the whole time I've been fighting, like, I fucking hate people. Like, I get the fights I've lost, it's because people take me down. And I'm still a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but, like, they take me down and they wrestle fuck me or lay it on top of me or push me against the cage and, like, didn't want to trade. And I always hated that. Like, I loved MMA. Nothing against UFC, Bellator, King of the Cage, IFL, all the great organizations that have ever worked with me. I love MMA in Japan and Brazil. But... Like, I always had a thought in my head, like, these fucking faggots, like, I don't mean that in a bad way, but <laughs> faggot means different. I don't, faggot to me doesn't mean what it means to other people. Like, I would never call somebody a fag because of sexual orientation. It's just that they're acting all faggy and trying to take me down for no reason. Um, <laughs> so, so, like, I fucking, you know, always would think, like, these motherfuckers are trying to, uh, 
always take me down when I hit him or always take me down when I kick him. So my last few fights, even though I fought a couple of people that were over the hill, Aaron Brink and Pat Smith, some UFC veterans, I was like, I'm just going to knock these motherfuckers out. Like, I'm just going to put them on a fucking floorboard because I'm tired of wrestling people. So I just started throwing, like, really committed strikes my last few fights, thinking, like, well, it's tiny MMA gloves and it's shins to the face. So I fought long enough to know if I fucking commit and connect or just set one shot up, that'll be it. So I started really working on my timing with, like, Kali and stick fighting at the end of my MMA career to just pick and choose single direct attacks to look for knockouts, you know, severe concussions. And then I started realizing, like, man, I'm focusing so much on Eskrima, Arniz, Kali, empty hand fighting plus weapons fighting just to work on my distance and timing so I don't have to wrestle and I can strike. Why the fuck don't I just box? And Chris Getz, who was the first owner of a boxing gym in San Diego for 19 years, you know, Black Tiger Boxing, which Black Tiger, Black Tiger Muay Thai bred a fuck ton of good fighters in San Diego. Anybody old school Muay Thai knows about Chris Getz and, and that gym. Plus, Chris Getz is a pro boxer, so, like, he's friends with, you know, um, he's, like, personal friends with Ray Boom Boom Mancini, personal friends with Tommy Hearns. So he, he started talking to me. He's like, Sean, you could be a fucking good-ass boxer. And I was like, no, I know I got hands and shit, but, you know, um, I'm an MMA guy. And then he finally, he was like, man, what about making the transition? And then when the UFC got bought by the Chinese company, that was pretty much the coup d'etat with Joe Silva leaving. And because Joe Silva always offered me fights once in a while, like I'd be injured mm-hmm. or I wouldn't be on weight or I'd have another fight booked, but he was always like trying to offer me stuff, even though it wasn't feasible. And he would, he would say like, Sean, this is kind of fucked, but this is what we got, you know? And now I, once that Chinese company bought the UFC, I haven't fucking had a phone call or anything from them period. And it looks like the UFC is going towards like the Sage Northcutt, uh, Alan Dubon, Paige Van Zandt, um, like the pretty model type people that are young, good-looking, marketable fighters. So that's what they do in Chinese marketing. In China, they have young, young, young actors and young, young uh, models and young stars and young musicians because they like that young fucking look over in the Asian culture. And so they, they you know, I think that their business plan and the billions that they spent aren't going to go for 35-year-old tattooed white boys, you know? Hey, man, you're, you're, you're a pretty handsome guy yourself, so don't tell yourself short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, lots of me, but <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about with those Asians and the the way they see. Like, if you ever watch a lot of the Asian action movies, they're the the guys that they do kick ass. I mean, they got some serious skills, but they're always like they look like they you know would model for polo or something. You know what I mean? They're all like chiseled guys, like you know, all model look, and they're in like fitted suits and they're out there kicking ass in these movies. So I definitely get what you're saying with that point. It makes sense now that you say it. You still with us, Sean? Yeah, he's on the call. I don't hear him. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah there you are. Yeah. Okay. No, what I was saying, yeah, like, like it makes sense because you have, like, business-wise, I mean, I own the compound. So anybody who wants to train in San Diego, come by the compound. Most people already know that, and we've got a shit ton of fighters here. So come by the compound. But owning the compound, I went from living in the janitor's closet here with the previous owners, Claudia and Frank, who started it, and they gave me the opportunity to own it and take it over and then make it mine, which they did. And when they moved, so that so I went from owning or living in the janitor's closet and working at the compound to now owning a house down the street and owning the gym. And just business-wise, you look at trends and you look at demographics. That's how you, you know analytics of business. Any fucking retard can look at that. And China has, like you said, young, good-looking marketable, talented people, which as well they should. And since they spent $4 billion, 
on from Zufa on the UFC, they're going to go with their marketing plan. And guess what? They were able to make enough money to spend $4 billion on the UFC. So whatever choices they're making are going to be fiduciarily sound for, for the UFC. I know that. And I don't think a fiduciary sound decision is hitting up a fucking tattooed ex-UFC kind of disgruntled white boy fighter that could knock out any of those pieces of shit in the middleweight or light heavyweight divisions and then talk a bunch of shit on the microphone afterwards and be like, yeah, fuck these fools, dude. I, I should have done this 10 years ago, and everyone that knows MMA knows, like, oh, Lockler would have fucked that fool up. But now I get a chance. Well, that's a liability then. They don't want that. They don't want some live wire that they can't control it and that can knock out all their, their talent, you know? Like, they want to build the brand, which I get. It's super smart. Like, I, I'm not that, that exactly what they're looking for anymore. But guess what, dude? A white heavyweight boxer is always fucking marketable. Ask anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, let's talk about, uh, you know, the boxing itself. Um, you had seven fights so far, all seven knockout wins, all in Mexico. So well, what's it like, uh, you know, having to cross the border and go compete in Mexico? Because I know you fought in Mexico a little bit in your MMA career, is it, is it easy to go down there and just set something up? Be like, just take a swig of whiskey, no. go to a bar or do you have to, is it official? No, dude, boxing's legit. Now, um, boxing down there, you got to imagine like there's two things that are very, very closely regulated in Mexico. You want to know what those two things are? I'm guessing drugs and boxing. Soccer and boxing. Ah, so, there we go. So, so you got so- I'm just saying, uh, uh, sport-wise, I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So yeah, but everything obviously, obviously, every fucking thing is corrupt down there. Anything's uh, got a price tag. But um, yeah. but no, but the one thing that doesn't have a price tag, like the one fucking thing they have integrity with, is boxing and soccer, or football and boxing. You know, football americano and boxeo. So paleo professional, professional boxing. So down there, it's like a national icon. So we got to get blood drawn. We got to get doctor physicals done. We got to get me with a doctor. We got to get our, you know, um, same type of stuff. Not as not as in depth as in uh, California or Nevada or in the United States, per se, just because they don't have the facilities with MRI machines and EKGs and stuff. But they use every resource that they do have. And you got to be right on weight. Like, it's a, they don't fuck around. It's like it's sort of an uncomfortable situation, but once you learn the ropes, you do what they say, and you pay the whatever fees that you think you do or don't have to pay, and you think sometimes they're ripping you off, sometimes they're not. You don't really know, but you pay it. You keep your mouth fucking shut, and then you know you're going to fight somebody that's going to fight. Like, there's nobody down there that's not going to fight. Like, an MMA, dude, like this whole Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather thing, it'll probably happen because it makes money, and it makes sense. Why does it make sense? Conor's got isn't going to lose any stock by getting beat up by Floyd. Floyd has no risk because Connor won't be able to hit him once. Connor nope. McGregor, Mark, Mark Sean Lockler's <clears throat> words: Connor McGregor will not be able to land one solid, clean shot on Floyd. In fact, if they do fight, I will guarantee on my life Connor McGregor won't land two shots in a row. So if he lands a glancing blow, what makes a boxer a boxer is defense is how to know to not get hit. So great boxers, Floyd Mayweather, Willie Peck. Ezra Charles, fucking um, Jack Dempsey, um, <clears throat> Mike Tyson, they knew how to get hit, but only once. They would never get hit with those three or four punches. That's why Buster Douglas knocked out Mike, because he landed this, you know, cross, hook, uppercut, hook, cross. So 
that, and he got caught, which happens. But the, the difference between boxing and MMA is boxers, and I grew up boxing. You know, when my dad, my dad used to wake me up at five years old. Hey, hey, Mike's on NBC, Mike's on CBS, or Austin Dale Hoy is fighting at seven years old, you know, at 10 p.m. at night on, on network television. So I grew up boxing and working with Freddie Roach and James Lucero and, and Sonny Michaels and Hector Gill, rest in peace, my coach that was Sean Kilt. Like, all these guys. So – these people that talk about boxing and MMA, it's not even the same. Like, they don't even realize, even though you hear that all the time, what they don't realize is really the amount of ineptness of striking and mixed martial artists. Like, the best striker in MMA. So, Conor McGregor would get tooled by, like, a 17-30 and 30 boxer. Like, 17 wins, 30 losses. Like, that guy would fuck him up because they know how to box. They know how to put themselves in position to, to last. Like, boxers know how to be durable and last four rounds or to pick a shot or to uh, defend themselves. You know what I mean? And so oh, yeah. it's just it's – just, but it's going to happen because Floyd, Floyd wants it to happen for sure because he's got no risk. It's an easy fight. He can make a couple hundred million. Conor wants it to happen because his stock doesn't go down by losing to the greatest defensive boxer, great, one of the top three defensive boxers of all time, him, Pernell Whitaker probably. So you got – Fucking Floyd Mayweather wanted to happen for money. Conor McGregor wanted to happen for money, and both sides are going to make money at it. They just have to do it in Russia because the California or Nevada or American Athletic Commission will never sanction a forty-nine and zero versus a zero and zero, regardless of the other sport they play. So, um, so they have to do it in, in Russia, but it'll make money because Floyd will carry Conor until he wants to knock him out, and then he'll yeah. end the fight. I agree and, with you on that. I hundred percent agree with you. And so with me, with, with boxing, with me, um, it's like I, I, I study boxing. I study these things. So um, so going down to Mexico, you know, they respect me because I know boxing. And, like, I know I'm not just, like, an MMA guy trying to, like, like fuck around like Conor McGregor by posting Instagram videos of me doing little, like, uh, choreographed combinations. Like, I'm actually fighting in other places. I'm going to Guam and fighting, going to Mexico and fighting, now going to, to Burbank and fighting. And so – the people down there, it's a little sketchy, but they, they're at least, like, they call me, like, gringo loco or wet loco, like, crazy white boy or crazy gringo. But they're like, man, this kid's fighting. And the guys down there, like I said, if you think you're going down there for an easy fight, like, oh, I'm going to do a boxing career. Have fun, man. Fucking have fun. Because I saw, like, four different fucking MMA guys got knocked out on my last card. They hit me up personally for fucking, hey, can you give me a pro boxing fight? Yeah, sure. Here's who you got to talk to. It's going to cost you, like, eight, 900 bucks with medicals and shit your first fight. And four of them got knocked out out of six. <laughs> and remember those, now those four guys one and I'm not going to say names I think that'd be fucked up but especially because I fucking helped set them up but no, not set them up to lose set up the fights for them so one guy was 8-0 MMA lost in the first round to a 1-8 boxing and the boxer was 30 pounds less than him the other guy that lost was 4-1 MMA lost to a 2-2 two two by decision the other one was 3-0-1 MMA lost to an 0-3 by knockout in the first round yeah they it's fight. They shit, fight man. down there. They fucking fight, you know. But um, yeah. So Burbank's gonna be fun, you know. Um, it's gonna be fun. First fight in America, so we'll see the difference, you know. Yeah, and you tell me. Fighting. Tell me. Okay, go ahead, Brandon. I was just wondering. You can tell us a little bit about the who you're fighting down there. In Mexico. Uh, no, who uh, you're no, fighting the, coming up? Yeah, the Ortega dude. Oh, in Burbank. Yeah, Oswaldo Ortega. So he, man, this guy is fucking. Uh, He's a tough, durable dude. So um, he went to amateur. His amateur record was 13-2-2. So he had a pretty good amateur record. And then he won his pro debut by knockout in the first round, came to the U.S. to fight a guy that was 8-0, 
when he was 1-0, lost a split decision to the 8-0. So he's 1-1. One one. He then went down to Mexico, won a fight against some crappy fighter, then came back to the U.S., fought three more times against a 12-0, an 18-1, and a 16-2. and All of those except for one were split decisions. So the guy professional's record's like a 2-5, and five, but his two wins are first-round knockouts. His five losses are four split decisions to 18-0, and 16-2, 8-0, and 3-0, and, and, and then a majority decision to a 19-1. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's so a little bit fuck. deceitful there, huh? Well, he's durable. So, you know, like, yeah. so he's losing rounds, but he ain't getting knocked out, and he's not there. And his two fights that he won by knockout, so you know he's going to come in hot. You know, like Teddy Atlas always says, we're firefighters. He's going to come hot. we got to put out the flames. We have to extinguish the flames, and we're comfortable in the fire. You know, when we're in the fire, we're firefighters. So this is where we live. We want to be in the fire, and we corral the flames where we want them, and then we put them out. And, and, and so we know he's going to come hot because he's got two first-round knockouts, and we know that he loses the fights later on in the fight. So, you know, I'm not a smart man, but if I was a smart man, I'm saying I was well, coming hot for a round, round and a half, and then I think I can take over. You know, it's a six-round fight, so I should be able to pace it. And if, but if he no. steps into something, he's getting knocked the fuck out in the first round. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say is you know, all your fights, like maybe your last, like, 15 fights or something crazy like that have all been pretty quick first uh, knockouts. So do you think yeah. that you can be that guy that uh, puts this dude away? That's what we're, I mean, I know, see, this is my US debut. So everybody, no, nobody's, you know, the guy's two professional two and five. So, and I'm seven and oh, so we've all got seven fights. He, but when you look at that, I've got, I'm seven and oh with seven first round knockouts. So I have seven rounds experience two and five, but his five losses were all four-round fights that went decisions. So that's 20 rounds plus the two rounds he's won. So he's got 22 rounds pro boxing experience. I've got seven. He's 25 years old. I'm 35 years old. I do have size, reach, and a better record than him, and obviously more experience with martial arts and MMA. But I know that they're, they're giving me an opponent exactly like what you guys said, to see if I am that guy. Yeah, they expect that Sean should be able to beat Oswaldo Ortega unless Oswaldo knocks him out in the first round, which he's capable of because it's boxing and he hits hard. But besides that variable, yeah, I think these promoters and Roy Jones Juniors and the James Tonys, the people that have called me out, James Tony called me out, Roy Jones called me out, these fucking guys, I think they're looking to see, is this kid really got the power that it seems like he has with these MMA fights and these boxing fights? And so, Obviously, I think they look for an opponent for me to look good against, but also to challenge myself to see, hey, am I going to be able to be the first guy to finish this guy? Because the 19-1 and couldn't, the 18-0 and couldn't, the 16-2 and couldn't, the 8-0 and couldn't, the 3-0 and couldn't. So can Sean, you know? Yeah, that's I got a question about that. It seems, yeah, like, it seems like you bang. That's your style. You know, you, you bang. So coming in against a guy uh, that basically mirrors your style almost, do you think that you can kind of lay back and, and kind of try to outbox him for a round and a half to try and wear him down a little bit? Or do you think you're just going to, well, your, your mind is going to kick into that gear to start banging? Well, I mean, not, not to sound like, you know, like, have you seen my last couple of fights? Yeah, no, I have not. I, I watched them. I, uh, the I didn't really bang at all. Time, yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I boxed like my last fight. I didn't throw a right hand for like a minute and a half. I used my fucking lead, my jab, my lead uppercut, my lead hook to the body, lead hook to the head. I stirred the pot a little bit. So my last like three fights, except for the one body shot knockout, the body shot was a quick knockout, but the other fights besides that, yeah, they were first round knockouts, but they were like 253, 247, 230, you know, 258, because I, so I was trying to box him a little bit and like let him come, set him up with my jab because I'm so tall compared to especially Mexican heavyweights. Um, I, I fought one guy taller than me, a 6'5 guy, 
Um, and that fight I fought pretty sloppy, to tell you the truth, is my first pro fight, though, the biggest guy I fought. But then since then, like you said, I have been trying to just really work on that, to put my heels out, to, to cover up, to, you know, kind of shoulder roll, and to uh, more boxing. So my last couple of fights, I've been doing better actually boxing because there, I Sean? don't want to just get in. Yeah, 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 he's here. I can hear him. Yeah, I was saying Did my last off? couple of fights, I, I just Please. didn't want to um, get into some slugfest early, but I ended up doing that. So, yeah, usually what happens is I start out boxing, and I try to look good boxing, and then the fucker will hit me hard in the face, and I'm like, this piece of shit, and then I try to fucking knock him out. <laughs> I, watched, I, watched <laughs> a bunch of your, I watched a bunch of your MMA fights. I was pretty impressed. The last guy you fought was a geriatric motherfucker, though, wasn't he? Yeah, but that was, that was Patrick <laughs> Smith. He fought at, like, UFC uh, 1. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. He, he was he was pretty old. He he was fucking like forty nine <laughs> years old. He fought. He had just beat Butterbean. So, no Pat shit. Smith, yeah, no, no. Pat Smith has been fighting. Like he's a UFC champion. So he had won like his last four fights or three fights. Um, and then and then he did some like uh, exhibition stuff and some boxing. And he beat Butterbean. He knocked out Butterbean in the World Fight League or whatever. And so when they offered me him, I kind of this this. Passman is awesome. I should, first, first of all, Passman is a legend. He's a fucking. He's in the martial arts hall of fame, and yeah. like, uh, and, and he's got like ten black belts. He's in the karate hall of fame. So I take nothing away from him. When they offered me a Pat Smith fight, not because it was Pat Smith, but it was an older guy that fought in like UFC like three and UFC seven, and we're in 2016. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. And then they're like, but Sean, they're like, he just knocked out Butterbean, and they're like. Nobody else in this area that you fight is going to have any name at all. They're like, you knocked out Aaron Brinks, so nobody else wants to fucking fight you anymore. And then they go, so unless it's a UFC or a Bellator fight, which you're not getting offered, we need to get you big names. And at least this guy's a name. They're like, or you're going to fight some 5-0 and fucking 23-year-old kid that nobody knows about. They're going to beat him in 30 seconds with jujitsu or knockout. And it's going to be like, uh, so at least fight a legend or somebody that's a feather in your cap, even though he's old. So that's why, you know, um, I was like, well, he did win his last fight. All right, but um, at the same time, I respect him, and, and I just kind of went in there to just do my job and get it done, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember him. I used to watch all the old UFCs, like, back in the day where people were, you know, there's basically no rules. You know, yeah, and, just headbutts. Yeah, anything. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shots, whatever you want. No eye yeah. gouging, that's it. But yeah, no, so it's it. like it's. It's like one of those things, but at the same time, I'm also, like I said earlier, I'm also a businessman, and I own a gym, and people bought tickets to that. A lot more people bought tickets for me fighting Pat Smith than are fighting for me to fight this all dollar guy, man. Like, ticket sales have been slow for boxing, and it's the day before Easter, so I want all my fans to try to support me and come out because, obviously, the day before Easter, obviously, being in Burbank, and I'm in San Diego, it's a three-and-a-half-hour drive, so it's kind of rough, you know, for my U.S. debut. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Pat Smith fight – was in San Diego as a former UFC champion, guys. So um, even though he's, yeah, geriatric and, and, you know, sponsored by Geritol, at least we could sell 500 <laughs> tickets. And people are going to be like, well, let's see if Sean's, you know, can beat a, a guy that was at least a top-level guy back in the day, you know, or if it's gonna, mm-hmm. if he's going to have to struggle with him. So, I, I um, get it. Yep, I get yeah, it 100%. So, so yeah, this would, and there's not, if there was other guys, I wish I, I, fuck, man, trust me, I wish the UFC would call and offer me one fight. You know, like I would – I would take a hiatus from boxing and go and go and box in the UFC. Like you saw my answer is I don't think anybody's going to take me down or submit me. And I think now with my boxing um, for the last year, just only sparring but boxing, only working with boxers and boxing coaches and going to, you know, Mayweather's gym and going up to wild card and going to these places, I would love to fight MMA because I watch these guys' hands. I'm like, oh, like I'm like licking my chops. Like, oh, fuck. You know, I watched the Anthony Johnson, yeah. Daniel Corbier fight, and I was like, oh, my God, I would fucking knock both of these guys out. Like, 
Anthony Johnson is punching so hard with his right hand, he's stepping forward with his right switching stances by accident. And Dan Cormier is putting his hands on and kicking. It was fucking ugly. Oh, yeah. I'm not a big Cormier fan at all anyway. Uh, yeah, I can't ugly. wait for Jones to come back. What do you think of John Jones? Do you like John Jones? I do like John Jones. I don't. I think John Jones is. I think it's unfortunate. John Jones has a lot of unfortunate situation circumstance happen in his life. You know, I think yeah. that um, he. You know that John Jones reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel, and like it's all the talent in the world, but he's got character issues and internal thing. Like he's insecure, like deep down inside, like John Jones has some like deep down, like internal demons that he's like developing. Like, yeah, he can fight. And like, yeah, he can throw, he can throw a left hand and an elbow and he's got an 84 inch reach and yeah, he's bone Jones. And yeah, he wrestled in college, but like, but, but fundamentally, like, I think he's all there, but, but, but inside, I think it's a lot of emptiness. And I think it's uh, I think he's got a lot of internal insecurities and demons that, that are going to make it to where um, he'll always fuck fuck himself over. I think he self-sabotages mm-hmm. himself because it gives him an excuse. If he loses a fight because he's on steroids or he loses a fight because he's doing cocaine or he's drunk driving or he's partying or he's drinking every night and spending 16000 at a bar every night, if he loses because of that, then it gives him a cop-out for everybody to be like, see, if he would have applied himself, he could be the best. Like Adrian Broner. Adrian, perfect example in boxing. Like Adrian Broner, you know, he lost, lost his fight to Sean Porter. And then he yep. has like these, everybody goes like, well, if he, he didn't train that hard. If he would have trained, he was more worried about getting gold teeth and then fucking sparring. And so, I, but I think he, but you know that. You know you're fighting a championship fight. You know you're the UFC champion. You know you're Adrian Broner. You know you're John Bone Jones. You know the fucking spotlight's on you. So by making those decisions consciously, I think it's subconsciously giving you that out to where if you do get beat, you can go, everybody kind of gives that, you know, um, that little Pythagorean theorem, like, but it was the drugs, but it was the alcohol, but it was the partying, but it was the mentality. Because if he gives 100% and makes every right choice and then loses, his legacy has gone. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, you you mentioned how a lot of bad things happen and, uh, you know, John Jones, Broner, those guys. Uh I've looked up, you know, read about you a lot and, and looked at some of your old interviews and there's something you always brought up, but I never heard it fleshed out a little bit. You, you mentioned you got shot, you got stabbed. I've never heard the story of you getting shot or stabbed. Is that something you'd be willing to share? Well, it was just um, back, back in the day, like growing up in parties, you know, in LA, like basically um, I had the best parents in the fucking world. My dad was an LAPD cop and my mom was a Catholic school secretary and so my parents were married like 26 years. I had a twin sister, had the best fucking upbringing ever. They were dope, you know? And when I was a sophomore, they got divorced. And um, so my mom moved and my dad moved. So then basically like 16 years old from like 16 to fuck, probably like 23 is when I realistically started like kind of getting my head right on my shoulders. I was never like a straight gangster or anything like that. Like I would sell weed here and there. I fucking, you know, like do stupid shit with my friends or like sell a gun here or there, pick up a gun, like stupid fucking shit. You know, I'm living in L.A., and I'm fucking trying to make it on my own. My parents were like, hey, Sean, come live in San Clemente, my dad. But I'm like, dude, I don't want to fucking leave all my friends and my coaches and my fighting, and I'm young, you know? And my mom moved to Malaysia with her husband, and she's like, move to Malaysia to Kuala Lumpur with me and my husband. So it's not like they didn't offer me to be there. I didn't want to go. When they got divorced, I was like, that was your shit. I'm fucking a kid. I'm 16. I want to fight. I want to fucking stay with my friends. I want to surf. I want to fucking get tattooed by my homies. Like, I'm a kid, you know? So, and I was growing up in L.A., 
<clears throat> so I stayed in L.A. Well, you got to imagine at 18, 19, 20 years old, you know, I had a kid when I was 17, and, and, you know, you start making kind of rough decisions and shit, getting, like, little bits of arrests here and there and fights and shit. And so one thing leads to another, and fucking, um, you know, like, shit just happens. I mean, I, you know, like, that's two different instances. I mean, fuck, I was stabbed twice, two different times. I've been stabbed. Um, I was stabbed in the Philippines once with a box cutter, so I, I guess, guess I've been stabbed three times. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's like, you, you just, you know, you get into a... Uh, you're young, and I, I wouldn't say so much immaturity. I think it's more just like testosterone. <laughs> you're like, fuck this motherfucker, you know? Like, um, <laughs> and, 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 like, he pulls a knife, and you're like, yeah, what are you going to do with that knife? And then you don't realize, like, his buddy's sitting behind you who also has a knife. You're like, oh, shit, didn't see that one. Um, so, you know, like, it's just shit like that. Or you talk – like, here's the thing with me. Here's my issue. I'll just give a short synopsis, all right, without giving – you know, I don't want I, – I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a family man. You know what I mean? I'm a family man. I'm not a gangster. I'm not, I've got tattoos and shit. I, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a criminal. I've never had a felony, never been in trouble for anything. Um, so way back in the past when you're growing up in LA, you do stupid shit. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> you don't rob people. I've never robbed anybody or stuff like that. But what I mean by stupid shit is you're 19 and you get drunk with your homies and you start hitting on a bunch of chicks at a party their fucking boyfriends or whatever come into the party and you and your friends start making fun of them. That's what I mean by stupid shit, right? <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. their 22-year-old boyfriends are fucking, you know, black guy, Mexican guy, and we're hitting on their Mexican girlfriends, and we're in Carson, and they're talking shit, so they call us out. So I go, really, motherfucker? You know, I'm 17, 18, 19. We go outside. I whoop the shit out of them because I've been fighting since I was five years old. Well, they then got their fucking ass kicked in front of their homies in L.A. and in front of their girlfriend, so they don't go like, oh, man, props, you know, good job, you guys got squabbles, you just, you know, I caught a fade, my fucking bad. No, those motherfuckers, like, they, they, don't, they don't just brush themselves off to get back on fleek and try to fuck their bitch. No, they fucking go to their car and they get their fucking, you know, they get their coetta or their fucking, you know, strap, and, and then they try talking shit or shooting into the party or, or come up to you and run up to you and try to fucking stab you with a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, motherfucker, who, who's the man now? Same old shit you see in the movies and shit, you know? Bullshit. And then, uh, and then you grow up and you fight and you realize I'm not going to go to house parties in Compton and Carson anymore with a bunch of my white homies and hit on Mexican chicks. And then you think, well, I'm not going to go to fucking the Philippines and talk shit to a bunch of hookers when a guy's got a box cutter telling me to shut the fuck up, you know, like shit like that. <laughs> oh shit. That's awesome. What were you doing yeah. in the Philippines talking shit to hookers? I like that story. <laughs> well, I, I was, I was kind of, I was talking. I yeah, I guess I was talking to her. I mean, here's the thing, you don't know if they're guys or girls, so they're offering you different things. My coaches are there. I just fought. I beat this guy's fucking brother, and this guy's brother, actually another big buff black dude in the Philippines, who was in the Navy. He was American. I fought him in the Philippines, but his brother was straight Filipino, like local, like little piece of shit sewer rat. Because the fucking black dude got out of the Navy who was a fighter, a good fighter. And, well, yeah, he wasn't a good fighter, but he was big. And um, he fucking married a Filipino lady, lived there. So he was fighting for this organization in the Philippines where there was, like, rooster fights and stuff. A dog fought some rats and shit. There was, like, all different kinds of fights back in the day. So this guy, brother or brother-in-law or cousin-in-law, whatever the fuck he was, comes up to me in an alley. And he's trying to talk to me. And he goes, did you get paid? And I go, what? And he goes, to fight, did you get paid? And I go, yeah. And he goes, they paid you? And I go, yeah. We get paid to fight. He's like, how much? And I was like, I'm not fucking telling you how much I got paid. And it was $300. This was back in the day, like 2002 or some shit. Um, and I was like, I'm not fucking telling you how much I got paid. And he pulls out a fucking box cutter. 
and these fucking hookers start, like, yelling at me to go away. They're like, give him the money and just go away. Go away. Give him the fucking money. Go away. I'm like, fuck you. Are you a chick? Like, you got an Adam's apple. Are you going to get his back? Are you? Are we fight? I'll fight. I'll fucking fight you, whore. Like, you're, you're a dude. I'll fight you. And then she's like, just get the fuck out of here. And I was like, you're not a girl. Like, I'm not. I'm not like, you know, she's like, you can't talk to ladies that way. I was like, you're a fucking dude. Like, you have a dick. Like, I'll fuck you up right here with your dress on. And, like, and so then these real hookers started yelling at me. And I think they were actually, they probably had pussies. They were probably women. And, like, I don't know. Next thing I know, this guy's fucking trying to grab from my pocket. I'm, like, getting this, these little cuts on my fucking stomach, which I still have these bullshit fucking scars. Somebody asked me about them the other day. I have my fucking stomach from this little fucking uh, box cutter that he had. He was, I don't know what the fuck he even had that on him for, trying to get my money. And so then I, like, um, I just got really pissed off. And then my coach was like, just give him the fucking money. And I was like, fine, fuck it, because all these hookers are screaming at me now. They're calling for fucking their, their, their sheriffs or whatever, or deputies. This fucking guy is, like, holding the smallest knife in the world, probably with the smallest dick in the world, trying to fucking beat up a 6'3 <laughs> fucking guy, talking about his cousin, who's a black guy, which I'm totally confused about still. And so, yeah, I was just like, I'm fucking out of here. Take my fucking 300 bucks. Enjoy the next fucking 10 years, because you're going to live off the fucking rice peel off, you piece of shit. And then I just left. <laughs> You got. You ended up getting paid by the promoter though at the end again, right? Or did they? They he hooked you did. up. He did. He came. He yeah. did. He came back and repaid me. They were. They were pretty cool. They came to the hotel and they repaid me. And like I was shocked. He was like, I can't fucking believe they did that. I, I was like, I know it's pretty good. He's like, that never would have happened on an Indian reservation in America. They would have told you to suck their dick. I was like, I know that. <laughs> oh, oh, that's awesome. Have you had any super crazy shit happen when you were uh, in Mexico boxing, or have. have things kind of settled I down? Have. Oh, God. Dude, I fucking have, and th- it's pretty awesome that I I didn't have crazy stories. See, MMA was so unregulated before that, you, you, as you guys know, hold on, let's see. MMA was so unregulated before, as you guys know, that there was opportunities for crazy shit to happen. Like, like if you guys remember, even like when Jose Canseco fought, you guys remember that? Oh yeah, yeah I mean Troy, right? Okay, yeah, but do you guys remember his walkout? No, no. Okay. I don't think so. I'm gonna remind you I'm gonna remind you of something because this actually happened. It's crazy. His wife and him walked out together, she was wearing a dress, and they were throwing baseballs out to the crowd. Fucking baseballs. <laughs> People were just getting hit with fucking baseballs. And so they made him stop after like six baseballs. In Japan, I swear <laughs> to God. He, they made him stop. Like they told his wife, Stop fucking throwing balls. People are not paying attention. They're getting hit with balls. And so, like, I know that's kind of a random example. That's just the one that popped in my head. But it's a pretty good example of just how fucking crazy MMA used to be. Like, we're going to have a baseball player walk out, and he's going to throw fucking hard baseballs into the crowd in Japan because that's marked like crazy. And then, you know, I fought where there was, you know, cockfights before I fought. Um, and, and there was, you know, I fought in areas where it's half of a tarp, tarp, tarp roof, half of a regular roof and stuff. And so back in the day, there was opportunities it wasn't even opportunities. It was just the platform of the sport was that crazy shit was going to happen. I mean, when I fought Cage Combat in 2002, we were supposed to fight at a Longshoreman's Hall in Wilmington. We ended up fighting on a fucking tennis court at the fucking uh, San Pedro or the uh, Palos Verdes Country Club because somebody knew the janitor because we got kicked out of the Longshoreman's Hall. So everybody went to this <laughs> tennis fucking court and Cage Combat, KKK with the combat, Cage Combat, happened on a fucking tennis court on the border of San Pedro fucking Palos Verdes in the middle of the night with cops on their way. Like we heard cops and we'd have to stop fighting and hide. 
Um, so, like, the, and, and this is real, these are, like, real stories that, like, boss room, these people will tell you. Eddie Bravo, Bob Bass, they'll tell you. You know, Freddie Roach will be like, yeah, that's true. We were there. Like, it was fucking crazy. They made us go. We had to go to three locations. We went first to the Longshoreman's Hall. Then we went to the fucking Peninsula High School basketball gym because uh, somebody was an assistant coach of, like, the girls' junior varsity team that had a key. And then they kicked us out, and we went and ended up uh, finishing on tennis court. So, anyway, back in the day, there was all kinds of crazy shit that used to happen. Then it got really regulated, and money got involved. So, really, nothing crazy could happen with Bellator, World Series of Fighting, the UFC, the Ultimate Fighter, IFL, King of the Cage, uh, J- Japanese, you know, Pride and, and Jungle Fight, all these organizations I fought for, rings. Nothing crazy was happening because they were making so much money, it was all regulated and legit. So, all the crazy stories stopped, right? So I thought at this point in my life, at 34 years old, I'm done with the crazy fight stories. Now comes Mexico pro boxing. So the first fucking time I'm down there, and this is it's not like a huge grandiose story, but it is fucking crazy. First fight I have down there, they give me gloves. I didn't bring my own gloves. I didn't bring my own cup. I assumed they would provide that because that's what happens in the U.S. And, you know, because I'm coming from UFC, Bellator, really regulated Thing. So I'm assuming, okay, I come there and I bring my trunks, I bring my uh, my athletic supporter and my mouthpiece, and they're going to give me gloves, they're going to give me cups, they're going to give me the wraps that they want me to use because that's the way it's done. So I get there, and they're like, no, 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 you got to borrow a cup, we'll get you gloves. So they're like, just next time bring everything. I was like, okay, no problem. So they give me gloves to use, right? I go in, and I knew they wanted me to lose this guy. Um I just knew they did Um, because of the way things went before the fight. They were like, I could just tell, like, they were basically trying to bring in. Because the the first guy I fought was, like, the the best guy I fought so far, second best guy I fought. Out of all my fights, I fought the worst, but he was the best boxer. He was, like, you know, um, 6'5", 260 pounds, actively boxing, and he could box. So they were basically just saying, like, okay, let's see if this fucking MMA guy really wants to fight a tough Mexican heavyweight. That's a, a real heavyweight, you know, that hits hard. So I went in there, I fought sloppy through a bunch of haymakers, but won my knockout in the first round of my first fight. My friends, a bunch of my friends came down to Tijuana, not only because there's a fucking Hong Kong and all these whorehouses that my buddies love going to, but it's fucking Tijuana, so it's a blast. So there's crazy shit going on. People are lighting fires and it's fucking fourth world country. So they're all going down there getting wasted. So I win and my friends go fucking crazy because they're like, holy shit, Sean just knocked out this really fucking big Mexican heavyweight pro boxer. And the guy's all fucked up and bleeding on the ground, and, and Sean was just kind of throwing haymakers the whole fight. That was fucking awesome. So he didn't really box him too much. So they're going crazy. They come in, they're jumping around the ring. I go, I, I'm grabbing them. There's like 15 of my friends. Somebody took my gloves off, right? So, like, my gloves were taken off in the melee of me celebrating. I go back to the locker room about 20 minutes later, and a fucking federale and a promoter come in with a gun, and they go, give us the gloves. And I go, what? And they go, one glove is missing. And I go, what? And they go, we lent you gloves. One glove is missing. Somebody, one of your people stole it. And I looked at them. And now, and it's funny because when they want money, they speak perfect English. When they're accusing you of something, it's all in Spanish. So they're telling me that I, one of my buddies stole a glove. And I'm looking at these guys, and I'm being pretty fucking rude because I'm, like, <laughs> laughing in their face. I'm like, we're in Tijuana. Do you think any of these motherfuckers that just spent $100 on your cervezas are fucking stealing one glove? I go, look at your own goddamn people in this fourth world country. This isn't fucking my shit. And so they're like, fuck you. And the guy starts throwing the gun at me. He's like, give us the glove. And I'm like, I don't have a fucking glove. So my coach is like, Sean, just calm down. we got to find the glove. And I'm like, what do you mean find the There's 
I have 50 people. These guys probably have the glove. They probably just want money. And, you know, they're like, blah, blah. So eventually they said, give us 50 bucks, and we'll call it even. But I was pissed off. So I'm like, fuck you. We're not giving you $50. This is wrong. I'm the fucking semi-main event. Like, I brought people here. All these people are spending money on tickets. All these people are spending money on beer and fucking tequila and tacos. I brought half the fucking crowd. I'm not giving you 50 bucks for a glove I didn't take and that none of my friends from America took. And so that was one kind of crazy situation. It was it was a tense situation, you know? Like a guy had a gun, and he's in a promoter, my coach, me, and a fucking federale in a dark room with one light bulb. And, and, <laughs> and, and screaming at me, and I'm screaming, fuck you. You know, fuck you, motherfuckers, because I've been down next door, and I'm just crazy and pissed off anyway. My adrenaline was still pumping. And they ended up calming down, and, and they just said, okay, next time, don't ever let anything happen. So then the next fight I go down there, and a different promoter I fight for, I come with a Clayton Reyes cup, brand-new Clayton Reyes cup, like the same kind Oscar De La Hoya, Canelo Alvarez would use, like the pro $159 Clayton Reyes cup in my gloves, Clayton Reyes gloves. They go, you can't use that cup. I go, I think I can. And they go, no, you can't. And I go, well, your fucking national hero, Canelo Alvarez, uses it. Julius Cesar Chavez uses it. Oscar fucking De La Hoya uses it. Pancho fucking Villa would use it if he had a fucking boxing career. And then they're like, well, you can't use it. And so they give me this old shitty title cup, boxing cup to wear. And then in the locker room afterwards, they're like, oh, the, the cup rental's 20 bucks. And I go, $20? My fight lasted 58 seconds. And they're like, yeah, well, it's $20. And you guys got to remember, Brian, that the exchange rate's 21 to 1 in Tijuana. So that means they charged me $440 for 58 seconds to use a cup. <laughs> just the fact is it only cost me 20 because of the exchange rate. But, it, yeah, so stuff like that, you know. Jesus, that is insane. So, every, so basically so nothing sketchy, <clears throat> nothing so sketchy to where it's like very sketchy, but just it's all a racket. They're desperate people that have no money. They have no money down there. So I understand. Like, I get frustrated, but I do understand culturally. Like, they have no fucking money. You know, like, so a dollar to them is $21 to us. So mm-hmm. that's two days of food, three days of food for them. A $1 bill is three days of food for them, you know. So they're desperate. So, when, like, a photographer will take pictures of me with a fucking Polaroid, bro. Like, you know Polaroid cameras, like 1983 yeah. Polaroid? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he'll hand me the Polaroids and insist I give him $5 for a picture. <laughs> And, like, and he'll take, like, three pictures, and he'll choose the best three, and then he'll be, like, or four pictures and ask for 20 bucks for four pictures. And so, and, and you know, now I just go, hey, oh, thank you so much. They're awesome pictures. And I give him the 20 bucks to kind of support the fact that he's trying to support boxing or make a living with mm-hmm. boxing down there. So you got to imagine, yeah, it's sketchy and the other stuff like that, but you also have to be kind of understanding. You can't just Donald Trump mentality the whole thing. Even though I love Donald Trump, you can't just fucking build a wall. Fuck these faggots. Like, you got to fucking <laughs> understand they're fucking desperate. They've got no money. Their economy's shitty. Their government's shitty. It's corrupt. There's there's crime. So any, they look at they don't look at me like a victim. They kind of look at me like an ATM. And so mm-hmm. they don't want to hurt. They don't want to hurt me. They don't want to kill me because then the ATM's gone. They want to threaten me enough and make themselves threatened enough to where I go, okay, here's some more money. Here's some more money. And and I get it because I'm smart enough to recognize the economic turmoil. You know. Yeah, I got a question. I read, I heard you on uh, Carson's podcast. You mentioned like it was like your second fight. Some guy like backed out, pushed out, and then after you won your fight, he challenged you like in the in the ring. Oh God! To, uh, fight. Did oh you end God. up actually yeah. fighting that Fuck. dude? No, I'm calling him out right now again. Missimo, 
Sanchez, Mimoso Sanchez is his name. His fucking name is Mimoso. His nickname is Mimoso. I don't. His name is <laughs> oh fucking what? Uh, fuck! I, I I I'll get his name. I'll have to. Put, I'll put it on a comment section of the fucking interview. Cause fuck that guy, and he knows exactly <laughs> who he is. I just call him fat ass now. I just because he's a fat fucking heavyweight. So every time he calls me, I just go fuck you, fat ass. Um, but the fucking guy, yeah, this motherfucker, and he's seven and two, so a pretty good boxer. He's the number one ranked heavyweight in Tijuana, and so we're supposed to fight. I didn't even know he was our number one ranked heavyweight in Tijuana. To be quite honest, between you and me and the rest of the fucking world that's going to hear this, I wouldn't have fought him if I knew that. But for my second fight, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have fought. He was six and two at the time. I wouldn't have fought a six and two guy when I was one and zero, just trying to build a boxing career. But I was scheduled to fight him, but I didn't even know who the fuck he was, right? So we weighed in and shit, and I was like, "Yeah, he kind of looks like a little chubby, but he looks tough." Like he, I, I could tell, like he was game. He was like six three, six four, he kind of fat, but big. Like he was like a fat, muscular guy. Like had a big ass, and you could tell, it was like muscular ass, had a big gut, but like kind of firm. So big, but not like, not like cut or ripped. But I could tell, okay, this is gonna be a fight. But I had no idea he was six and two or the number one heavyweight guy in, in Tijuana, and I was gonna fight him. He pulls out once he starts like somebody tells him, "Hey, that's a Sean Loeffler, the destroyer, UFC, blah blah blah." They probably like show him the Pat Smith knockout or the Aaron Brink knockout or something, you know, whatever. And then he's like, "Oh shit, fuck this!" So he pulls out. So they go and they get me another guy who was um, his name was Alvaro Vasquez, and he was two and four at the time. But at least we found somebody with some fights to fight me. So, oh, two and four guy fighting and one and no guy is a good fight anywhere. So, um, I fight Alvaro Vasquez and I knocked him out. And I was kind of a dick in that fight because I was pissed the fuck off that this guy pulled out um, right before and that I didn't know who I was fighting. And Alvaro Vasquez's MMA record is like 13 and 5. Um, so, I, so he's a lot better MMA fighter, you know, than obviously boxer who's now 2 and 5. So, um, I fight him, I knock him out, and I was like, talking shit the whole time I was fighting, which like, you can't even understand me. You guys speak fucking pure Spanish. And I'm like talking shit in English. Like he's fucking understanding me. He's like, he was like smiling. He was like smiling thinking I'm probably like complimenting him. And I'm like so furious. <laughs> and so I'm talking shit. I'm like, yeah, fuck your mother. You fucking cunt. And I'm fucking hitting him. And he's fucking smiling and I knock him out. And I'm like, okay, cool. This has been fucking lame, but I, at least I got an opponent and knocked him out. And this motherfucker comes in the ring and I look, and I hear this voice, I am the number one Tijuana heavyweight. And then I hear this translator like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And so I thought, here's how dumb I am, guys. I'm so fucking punch drunk and stupid. I thought they were calling me the number one heavyweight in Tijuana. So I grabbed the microphone, and I'm like, thank you. I am the number one Tijuana heavyweight. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're not. You're 2-0. and He's the number one. And I'm like, oh, wait, what the fuck? You, you motherfucker. And so I grabbed the microphone back in front of everybody. I was like, this piece of shit puts the effort against me. I mean, and I, I started going off. It's pretty funny. And so, and so then every time I see this guy, every fucking fight, because he's like part of the commission down there. So I don't know what the fuck he is. Um, so he's at every fight in every way. And he comes up to me. He's like, when are we going to fight? Pelea, Tui, me, Pelea, do me fight. And I look at him and I go, we were supposed to fight you fucking retard. You fucking pussied out. And he's like, and then he giggles. He's like, ha, 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 ha. When will we fight? And then I'm just like, oh, shut up, fat ass. <laughs> I can't believe that yeah, nothing that... came of uh, him calling you out. Like, the fact that like, he should be embarrassed if, if that didn't, if it didn't materialize after no, that. What... But you got to remember this. You got to remember this. What did I just say about their economy? Mm-hmm. He yeah. Just, he's. 
he's probably thinking if I can talk shit every fight and build this up, they'll bring me to America to fight him for three grand. That's true. There you go. You know, he, they, yeah, well, he, you, the guy's you not about, maybe, maybe he could be your next fight after this one. Yeah, I mean, the, guy's, the guy doesn't have a – trust me, we looked into that for this one. We asked the guy if he had a passport. We offered to pay for a passport and for a work visa. We were like, you'll say you work at the compound, dude. I will fucking kill you. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so we did everything we could to get that guy to fight me on the show, but he doesn't have a visa. And so um, – but, yeah, I think that, you know, if, like I said, if I were a smart man and I'm not, but if I were, I think he's trying to talk enough shit – because he's a pretty smart guy. He actually, uh, the, the guy, he's an asshole, and he talks a lot of shit, but he does speak French and Spanish. So he's pretty educated. He went to college and stuff. And so he's six and two boxer. So I think that he's trying to talk enough shit right now, thinking if I go to the U.S., get beat once, I'm going to have to come back to Mexico to get a win or something, right, to maybe build myself up again. And he's then thinking, well, then I can just strong arm a promoter for 1000 bucks to lose to Sean. And right now I'm only getting paid 200 bucks to fight in boxing, American. But if I fight Sean, I'll get 1000 bucks, American. So he's probably trying to, you know, hype it up a little bit until he can maybe make some money because, you know, that's just kind of their MO. Like I said, they're desperate people. Dude, when you, like, picture <laughs> – when you call him fat ass and you, like, mock his voice, I picture bald bowl from fucking, like, Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> he looks like that sort of, dude. <laughs> He sort of looks like that. He's like, oi, oi. Like you hit him in the face. He's like, Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm never going to let that down. Now. I want you to fight him now. I'm, I'm going to watch that shit. I'm not going down yeah, there, me, though. <laughs> but, but, but it's like, but now since he called me out the second fight and I've had five other fights and he's been at since then, now like he comes and he brings me water and he gives me a hug and he's, you know, he's, he's like, what's up, crazy, bueno, loco, what's up, gringo, loco? And I'm just like, oh, fuck you, fat ass, get away from me. <laughs> oh, that's great. And it's pretty, and it's pretty funny, though, because he didn't know how to say, oh, this is a, here's a pretty funny, you guys will appreciate this on the podcast, your listeners will, will dig this. So I did teach him how to say, fuck you, though, because he goes, he, <laughs> whenever I say something to him, I would just go, hey, fuck you. And he would go, okay, como? And then he had a translator Ask like, ask me like, what exactly is he saying? Because he's never been out of Tijuana. You got to remember, you know what I mean. So the only interaction they have with Americans is like me boxing. So I said to him, I go, dude, what I said was, fuck you, like fuck you, like when you take a penis and you shove it in your ass when you're in prison and you get raped in a jail in Tijuana, fuck you. And he starts laughing, right? The guy starts cracking up. And he's like, he's like, hey, hey, mira, mira, which means like, look, look, you know. Or, or, and he looks at me, he goes, John, John, fuck you, fuck you. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Mimoso is addictive. I'm like, there you go, Mimoso. Fuck you. And he's like, John, fuck you. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm all proud because every time I see him, I go, what's up, fat ass? And he goes, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, you know what? In a couple of years, you guys will be best friends. I'm calling it now. Yeah, yeah, no, that guy and me go back and forth. He's funny. He's a good boxer. He just won. He just fought. Um, he fought some other guy. Um, and he's funny. He he wears a uh, a bright silver jumpsuit with a you know the uh, the the uh, fucking mask from uh, Johnny Darko that that fucking rabbit. Yeah, yeah. He wears a fucking bright platinum shiny jumpsuit with a Donnie Darko rabbit mask and calls himself Mimoso and walks out into the ring. So it's like hard to hate him because he's fat in this, he's this fat fucking body in this fucking spandex fucking silver costume, this stupid thing on. And then he can kind of box. You're like laughing. Uh, like, a, so yeah, like an EDM, like an EDM DJ. 
Oh, oh no, he like, walks into that shit. He walks in. He does. He got close. Bro, if you look at one of my posters on, just look at my poster for my fight two, three fights ago. My fight three fights ago, the one that was Facebook Live. The fight that was Facebook Live, the poster, you see him with his fucking mask and his platinum jumpsuit and his fucking uh, glow sticks. He's the main event. <laughs> it's right on my Facebook page. Anybody that wants to look, they'll be like, hold, and it just says Mimoso Sanchez. And they'll be like, holy shit, he's right. Right here on his Facebook page is a guy in a bunny suit. If you guys have internet access, look at it now. <laughs> I'm going to look this up. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, are you looking? Are you looking at it right now? I'm trying. What's his, I'm looking what's his for last it. name? Okay, my so go to my. You're on my. Yeah, you're on my Facebook page. Scroll through and you'll see a poster from a couple fights ago. There's like a Facebook Live video. So the one before the Facebook Live video, you'll see a poster of a fucking dude with a fucking bunny suit on. And a fucking planet thing. He's the main event. You guys will find that. Guarantee. It's, it's find it right on my page. What's that? I'm going I see it. it. Right I now. found it. I found it. Mimosa Sanchez. Perfect. I got it. Here you go. Dude. That's my nemesis. We, we, that's hey, my, need, that's the destroyer's nemesis. Dude, we're going to put, I we need to put him as that. I want him to be our, our, our fucking like profile picture on our Facebook page. It's so <laughs> funny. Dude, I know. The guy, but if he calls himself Mimosa, everything about the guy is genius. You know what I mean? I, like, so it's pretty funny. So yeah, there's some he's, funny shit that goes out of Mexico. He's going to come and, up to you like, Sean, I got to, I got to, I fucking, I got something you can't refuse. <laughs> they offer yeah. you some crazy ass scenario, and you got to take it. I don't, you guys got to fight now. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You, hey, you know what? And you need to make some some crazy fucking outfit when you walk out to fight this. Oh, dude. obviously, one, obviously. One Put like dick. Well, no, that's the fight. If you look, no, if you look, <laughs> that fight, I weighed in with a mask on. I weighed in with a skull mask on. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you see that? You, you need did to you go see crazy. That no. So I know I need to go way crazier, but the only reason I wore the skull mask is I was like, oh, this guy is going to show up in a bunny costume. I'm going to show up in a scary skull mask and show him what a fucking scary motherfucker looks like, not a fat fucking Mexican. And so he was like, well, happen. <laughs> uh, no, hey, hey, and by the way, when he was, oh, his name's Missile Sanchez, M-I-S-A-E-L Sanchez, Missile Sanchez, Missile Sanchez. So, hey, Missile, you fucking fat fuck. I am giving you more promotion than you've ever had in your goddamn Mexican life right now. So he better appreciate it, which he will. And I know he's listening to this, or he'll listen to this on Facebook tomorrow, and he'll go, fuck you. <laughs> dude, he'll definitely see it when we make him his, make him our profile picture. Oh, dude, it's amazing. He's a, he's in, a this fucking, in his Daft Punk outfit. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and like I said, I'm, you know, he's a Daft Punk guy. He is in Daft Punk outfit. The, uh, the, like I said, you know, I, the, I, I hope that there's guys like that still around, but James Tony asked to fight me and fucking uh, your uh, Roy, Roy Gunn Jr. I know what they're looking at. They're looking at, I'm going to knock out uh, a legit MMA fighter and we can build this as MMA versus boxing, you know? So um, the more that I keep going the direction I'm going, and I look at that as a good thing. If James Tony is fucking contacting promoters to fight Sean Waffler and in my name, it's coming out of James Tony's mouth, regardless if he's 49 years old and he's in the Hall of Fame of boxing. Fuck yeah, that that's making me a little bit more legitimate in boxing. If Roy Jones Jr., regardless if he's fucking 42 years old, is fucking saying I want to fight that MMA guy, Sean, that's making that's helping me. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Keep calling me out. Keep telling me I'm shitty. Keep telling me that you're gonna knock me the fuck out. Keep telling me that MMA guys don't know. That's I want that. That don't you think that's what I'm aiming for? You stupid motherfuckers. Like, I want you guys to say that and call me out. I hope if I can fight a James Tony and a Roy Jones Jr. in boxing, regardless of how old they are, those are two fucking sick ass feathers in my cap. 
know. Oh yeah, if you if you KO Roy Jones, that's going to be on ESPN regardless, probably. Absolutely, and especially yeah, the manner know. that I would KO him in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. So that's my goal. You know, my goal is to win. I've got to fight this guy, and I'm not looking past this guy. So I want everybody to know that. And then three weeks from now, I've got another fight in Montana. I'm fighting in Billings, Montana, May 16th. So, and I'm fighting the number five guy in the world in the WBC. He's 55 and 12, Chauncey Welliver. So I'm fighting Chauncey Welliver, the 55 and 12 guy, right after I knock out Oswaldo Ortega. That's the plan, you know. And then, um, and then I got a fight June 29th in Palm Springs. We're still looking at opponents for that. And after that, I should be 10 and 0. And I think that's solid. If I'm 10 and 0, especially with 10 knockouts, plus my 33 and 5 MMA career fighting, you know, being signed with the UFC, fighting in Bellator, and King of the Cage champion, those three things put together plus my boxing, I think that's good enough for them to build up a fucking pay per view against a Roy Jones or a James Tony. You know, I know it is. I know for a fact it is. Dude, that would yeah, be sick. Sure. What's that, that, would, that, would around around that would really launch you into like a, a next stratosphere type of thing. If you can, if you can yeah. pull this off. Yeah, that's what we're going for. I mean, that's obviously what we're going for. That's why I mention, I'm call, I'm mentioning their names because they fucking mentioned my name. And and mm-hmm. James Tony, just so you know, James Tony, I know you fucking said keep this on the DL. I've got the fucking text from the Roy Jones Jr. people saying that you asked to fight me and to keep it on the DL. I'm not keeping that shit on the DL. You called me out, James Tony. Fucking call me out, then motherfucker. I'm here. You know, if you don't fucking go to a promoter and fucking say, I want to fight that MMA guy right now when he's young and doesn't know that much boxing or doesn't know, have that much boxing savvy, get, set me up that fight. I'm here. I'm fucking here. Don't tell him to keep it on the DL. Fucking, if you want to call me out, I'll call you out in public. You know, I'm right fucking here. So, you know, th- those guys know. They know what's up. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to be 35 in May. I'm no spring chicken either. I'm not a fucking 22-year-old calling out fucking old guys that, that when I haven't accomplished anything. I've accomplished motherfucking shit. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. like that's what I want. You know, I want yeah. these. If I want, I'm the old school, old old timer UFC guy that, that that that's a little bit older than these young kids. They're the old timer boxers. Well, let's fight and see who the life size Conor McGregor and life size Floyd Mayweather fight instead of the midget size guys. You know, then 147 is <laughs> real interesting. Not. <laughs> yeah, if you if you pull this off, this could be like some James J. Braddock, Cinderella Man, Russell Crowe shit. You know. Well, that's because what be, we're hoping is we can beat you. Well, if we can beat. A James Tony or a Roy Jones Jr. Fuck, I would like to fight both of them and knock both of them out. But if I could beat one of them, which I know will set one of them, as long as I'm ten and zero, I'm they'll they'll set that up because it, it like just like uh, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, it makes sense. It's not going to make as much money as them, but it'll make a lot more money than whoever fuck Roy Jones Jr. or James Tony would fight next. <laughs> you know, so yeah. like they're, 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 there's and that's no doubt. And like Bob Arum, Al Heyman, Don King. You know, Teddy Atlas, fucking Burt Randolph Sugar, fucking Larry Merchant, any one of those guys, Max Kellerman, uh, Pauly Malignaggi, all of those guys would consensusly look at this and be like, yeah, realistically, Roy Jones versus Sean on a region, on a, on a national pay-per-view would make more money than Roy Jones versus a 12-1 up-and-comer, obviously, mm-hmm. be, because yeah. of the whole MMA. So our goal as a team is to fight one of these guys, one of these fucking, you know, um, older guys. Since they're still competing, I don't call them past their prime because they're both still winning, even though, you know, Roy Jones just fought a guy that was 23-3 and three and, and beat him, so, and Bobby Gunn, that old uh, fucking uh, bare-knuckle street fighter, but he was 23-3 and three in pro boxing. So, yes, he's fighting older guys or guys like me or guys Bobby Gunn, but he's winning. So, if I beat him and I beat James Tony or just one of them, then I've got 
the legitimacy to call out the current title contenders. Because if Chauncey Weldover is number five, so I beat Chauncey at 55 and 12. Yes, he is on a four or five losing streak. I'm not going to hide that from anybody. It's right out there. So he's 55 and 12, and he was 55 and 8, but he's still number five in the WBC. So if I beat him and when I beat him in Montana, I'm looking at the fact that if we can get a big name like Roy Jones or James Tony, then I'll call it Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder or David Hay or Klitschko if he beats, you know, um, Tyson Fury. Because then if I'm 11-0, 12-0, but being one of those guys heavyweight plus my MMA background, I can call out a world contender. And then, like you said, then it becomes a James J. Braddock Cinderella man. Because beating Roy Jones is awesome. And beating James Tony is awesome. But beating them to fight for a legitimate world championship, you know, the IBF, the WBC, the WBO, that's a dream come true. What are you weighing in right now? Oh, I'm like 215. Yeah, you're light. Yep. You I'm like just eat on a middleweight when in MMA, so. Oh, yeah, I yeah. saw that. I saw yeah, all I mean, your fights around the middleweight. So, yeah, yeah you're I'm 6'3", just... and I usually walk at about, for MMA, I try to walk at like 207 when I was fighting middleweight um, or light heavyweight. I'd still just walk at 207. And then um, boxing, I just kind of walk around what's comfortable. When I run a lot and lift a lot and train, I seem to sit and I'm eating perfectly. Oh, I've got to give a shout-out right now. It's really important. Fuck me. The, uh, I'm glad you guys brought this up. There's a company called The Food Preppies. Um, or the, the Food Preppies have been doing all of my nutrition, and it is insane. I've never had a meal plan or a nutritionist that, like, does everything for me. They cook the food. They cut the food. They deliver the food. Every single meal is portioned out. It's all fucking bomb. They don't charge me a fucking dollar because they sponsor support my career. They give all of my, my fighters and my friends and family, like, meals delivered to their house for, like, $5.50 a meal delivered. That's Look, nice. Ready to go. It's fucking so nice. So I have to give them a shout-out because I would do it even if they didn't sponsor me, just now realizing how convenient and time-saving fucking meal prep is. Um, and so, yeah, basically with what you're questioning my weight, I sit right at 214 because of the food preppy people. Like, have my diet dialed, but I feel, like, fucking perfect. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah I, I'd love the fact that you're all light-heavyweight. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that you've got, like, a, a fucking plan. Like, you've got it all oh, yeah. figured out, kind of. Like, you, you just lay in the building blocks to get there. But, like, you've got it, like, <clears throat> in the back of your head exactly what your goal is. And you're doing everything exactly. you can to get to that goal. Exactly. Since, since I'm not a spring chicken, but since I do have some legitimate amateur boxing experience, we knew we could give me some fights down in Mexico. And we knew we could give me some favorable matchups to where I could grow as a fighter and grow as a boxer in particularly. So we went down to Mexico to get me some fights. Nobody, and I'm not being braggadocious, nobody really thought I would get seven first-round knockouts, including myself. Really, uh, we all expected maybe a couple knockouts or TKOs, and, but we expected maybe, you know, some decisions, some third rounds, because we was all four-round fights. So no, my last fight was six rounds. But um, we expected some, uh, you know, some tougher fights, and some, so we expected that. So I think everybody was pretty surprised that I've, I've – I've, translated my knockout power in MMA into boxing pretty, 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 you know, well, you know, I, I've, I've kind of got the niche to, to timing things out. So that being said, we realized, okay, well, now by building me up as like a knockout artist and getting some wins in Mexico, we'll be offered a pretty legitimate USA debut. We didn't realize that we'd be lucky enough to sign with fucking Roy Jones promotions and be the co-main event at the Burbank convention center, but we are. So fuck it. You know? So, um, so we, we, everything's going in the right direction, you know? 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting a little close to running out of time here, but seriously, Sean, you have been so generous with your time with us. I, like, I, w- I was not expecting to be able to get to talk to you again for over an hour this time. So it's, it's oh been, yeah, it's it's, well, I was gonna I was gonna give you guys yeah, like I said, I was gonna give you guys like forty minutes, and then I realized like when you, this is their inaugural show, this is the first show they ever had. They're gonna yeah. need some fucking sound clips and shit to cut up and try to make it sound like they've got <laughs> some characters. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta give these guys some content for their 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 first show. I, not only am I honored to be the first guest on a show that I hope ends up being like the Joe Rogan experience and millions of followers, yeah. but we got, I gotta give you guys, you know, um, I gotta give you guys attention because you're giving me attention to do an interview and bring, you know, light to my career, me as a person, my past, my history, my family, my sponsors, and my business, the compound. So I can't mm-hmm. not give you guys as much time as you want because you guys are so generous with, you know, giving me exposure. Well, I appreciate oh, yeah, that, man. Sure. Yeah, let, definitely uh, spread the word, man. We're we're really excited about this show, so we appreciate you yeah. coming on. I I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I've had. Uh... Oh, go ahead, Sean. Go on. No, go on. Well, I was just saying. Yeah, I, I've I've had a show before that you were a guest on that uh, verbal submission yeah. when uh, we, submission. we took your interview and put it on MMA Mania and it got like a shit yep. ton of traction. Those crazy stories. So yep. yeah, this is yeah. That, I knew that. The first time we were going to have a guest, this is our like fourth show, but I knew like the first guest I ever wanted to have, I wanted to have Sean Loeffler. I didn't even know you had a fight coming up, to be honest. <laughs> Saturday. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, So in the next time, maybe in a month or two, I'll have to get back on your guys' show. And why don't I bring a couple of boxers on the show to do the interview with me? Like one of my close friends that's been helping me out, he won silver medal in the 84 Olympics. His name's Virgil Hill world-famous fighter. He would love to come on this radio interview with me and stuff like that, too. Chris Getz, the guy that, you know, boxing Tommy Hearns and stuff like that. So in a couple of months, I could also bring some other boxers, you know, one or two guys on the show with me to tell about some old-school boxing stuff that happened in the 70s and 60s stories, you know? That oh, that would awesome be awesome to me, man. That oh, my so God, that, that sounds amazing. I know who that <laughs> silver medalist is, too. I'm a big boxing fan. So I, I'm oh, excited. Like, so you know Virgil Hill. So, yeah, I, I, me oh, and Virgil yeah. Hill could do it next. That would be how sick would that be, right? Fuck yeah. yeah. Hell That'd yeah, bro. So I think after you after you get these next couple of fights out of the way, you know, get this, your plan starting to come to fruition, man. We can get you back on the show with those guys and have a hell of a go. 100%. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. I want to give a quick shout-out, just mention yeah. my sponsors, as I always do. Obviously, mm-hmm. I talked about the food preppies. Not, you know, I, I, I say the food preppies is like a sponsor. It's not even a sponsor. They, they cook my fucking food. Like, it's so important to have good, easy meals and to save time, especially because – my daughter Ariana and me like to spend free time together. Well, daddy's cooking all of his meals on Sundays. You don't get that, you know? So, um, and I never really realized that before with meal prep, that what you're getting with a meal prep company has nothing to do with nutrition, nothing to do with healthy or, or, or quality food or taste. You're going to get that anywhere. It's time saving. Like, and for me, if I get to spend family time or training time or time on an interview with you, it's well worth it. So I got to thank the food preppies because they make it so I can do interviews like this and shit and not be cooking and cutting food up. War Fuel, if you guys know what that is, it's a, it's a hydration drink, and it's actually, like, one of the only FDA-approved hydration drinks, um, so it's pretty awesome. It uses pomegranates and stuff like that, and um, once again, they don't pay me or anything. I just drink their shit. I'm just, I feel really fucking good with their shit, and then um, besides that, Roy Jones Jr. Promotions, you know, um, they're giving me an opportunity to become a boxer, and you can't, um, you can't, you, you can't, you can't really take away – you can never undersell opportunities. Like at Odds Podcast, 
you guys are giving me an opportunity. So you can never mm-hmm. undersell how big of an opportunity this could or couldn't be because it could open doors to huge things for me, for you guys, for everything. And the same with Roy Jones boxing, you know, promotion and stuff like that. So I, I got to just give love where, where love is due because those guys are taking care of me. So is Warfuel and so is Food Preppies. Besides that, the compound, my gym, my coach, Chris Getz, my daughter, and At Odds Podcast, that's who made all this happen. Hey, oh, I got to tell you, man. If you get if you ever get that Tony or that Roy Jones fight, you come on the week before that fight and you talk to us about that. Absolutely, no, we, oh, we're gonna get no, the fight I, as long as I do. As long as, yeah, as long <laughs> as I do what I'm supposed to do, it, the fights are gonna. I mean, those are that's what we're talking about. Like the talks, the, the reason I'm on this show and legally willing to open my mouth about shit like that is because we're gonna. It's gonna happen as long as I don't fuck up. As long as I'm winning and knocking people out. They're going to make it happen because that's the only fight that makes sense for everyone to make money. And if it makes money, it makes sense. That's why selling off of James Tony or selling off of Roy Jones Jr. will happen as long as I'm undefeated. And that's why Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather will happen because it makes money. It's, it's going to. I just have to do my mm-hmm. job, knock people the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys can catch uh, Sean's fight. It's Saturday, April 15th in Burbank, California at the Burbank Convention Center. Tickets are $65. So highly, if you're listening, you're in that area, go check out his fight. It's going to be awesome. Sean's the best. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for stopping by the show, and uh, we just want to wish you uh, the absolute best the rest of the way, and, and good luck on Saturday, man. Well, th- thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. I'm going to look for another you know, big first-round knockout, and then I will give you guys – they call and, and a text message and start posting your, your interview everywhere. So give me the link and I'll put it up. Oh yeah. Buddy, thank I'll, you. Yeah. I'll cut this up and uh, put it specifically the interview itself on YouTube, on our YouTube channel as well. So uh, you guys Perfect, so so I can your fans that. just want to listen to that. I'll make sure we get that to you too. Awesome guys. Well, you guys are the best and big shout out to add odds podcast. And uh, thank you gentlemen. Once again, I'll talk to you soon. All right, Sean. All right. Take care. Yeah. Bro. Right, thank bye, you. Guys. Take care, man. All right, that was Sean the Destroyer Luffler stopping by the At Odds podcast. What would you think, Brandon, of our first guest? Did you have a little fun? Um, dude, I love that guy. I, I wish I could <laughs> hang out with him right now. <laughs> dude, He's a great uh, dude, funny shit. Steve, Steve Major said, may this guy talk forever. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, he's a, he's when, a character, man. The first I think, time that, I think his father. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the first oh, time I was he was ever on... <laughs> So bad. Let me go quick. Let me go quick. Yeah, right, go, go, go. He was saying that he was saying that the Chinese company that bought UFC kind of didn't. Um, they want to go a different direction of with who they're kind of typecasting into their pro into their you know fighters that they're kind of getting like Sage Northcutt and all that stuff. But I think that real fight fans would love a guy with his attitude if if he could get to like a level of UFC and actually get to be able to be interviewed in the octagon and have those millions of people listen oh, to the yeah. way he talks. He would be huge. He would be a huge fan favorite. He'd be a Cerrone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know, I, I'm glad that he's in boxing. I'm a huge boxing fan. I think he has. I think that's a better route for him. But uh, as far as like financially and his age and everything like that, but if he could get in UFC, that'd be awesome for him too. Because I think he'd be a fan favorite for sure. Oh, for sure. I, I knew I'd like him because the first time he was ever on my show, he told the craziest stories. Like he told the full <laughs> story about that Philippine thing. The full story about fighting under a tarp in a, in a barn in Indiana or whatever. And then what was hilarious was uh, I told him, like, I hated to tell him that we had to let him go because 
we had another guest on, a guy, uh, Tom Watson. He fought, he ended up fighting in the UFC, like this really badass uh, British dude. Um, and he trained out of like Greg Jackson's gym in Albuquerque. And he's like, Hey, uh, instead of leaving, can you guys let me stick around and ask the first question to this guy? <laughs> and we're like, okay. <laughs> and hey, I got a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Is this thing, are we still recording? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I added the next 30 it. minutes to the okay, show. Yeah, because it said two hours ago on our our main page. I just want to make sure it didn't cut us off. Yep, but, uh, we're still okay. we're still going. So right. we still got 25 minutes. Um, but and he's like, "Can I ask the first question?" And I'm like, "You know what? You're the best. Let's do it." And Watson comes on with his British accent, and he's just like, "Yo," uh, and he's like, "Does your accent help you get chicks in America?" And, and he's just like, oh, a little bit. And he's like, all right, who's bet, who's crazier, British chicks or American chicks? <laughs> and They're all crazy. Like, yeah, They're yeah. all crazy. And he's just like, British chicks, because they get drunker. <laughs> uh, it was good. It was just something that I would never think to ask a fighter, because I do all this prep work, and I try to be all professional. And then you just get these moments where – it all just kind of melts away and then you get to see who these guys really are. And, and Sean gives you everything that he is every time. So that's why I like him so much. Oh yeah. So we've got a couple segments left for today's show. Um, I'm, I, I'm not going to do any bets today. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, I, I believe you do have a rant for us. So oh, yeah, I got uh, a rant. Okay, good, good, good. So, uh, well, let's get rolling with uh, the Sharples Rant of the Week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make this short and sweet. Basically, what's going on is I read an article that Meyer, um, for those are, that don't have it in their area of the country, Meyer is like a Walmart wannabe type store. It's pretty cool. But basically, they're going to start a delivery service for groceries. So basically, you no longer have to go to the store to get groceries. You you can click and order it, which they already have now, but not, but now they deliver it to your house. My problem with that is is I feel like we're making society too simplistic, which is why we have a bunch of fat asses running around and we're having a obesity epidemic. We have diabetic epidemic. It's just how fucking lazy is our society getting to the point where you can't even go to the goddamn grocery store? I remember when I was a kid, that was like a thing. My mom would write a list out, and she would – we, we would say, I want this, mom, I want this cereal, I want this, this, this. And then we just go as a family to the grocery store. Now, you're, is your life really that busy that you can't make a stop at the grocery store? You just need everything delivered to you? I mean, you're just taking the, the essence of the country away. I mean, everything that we've, we've grown to be in America seems to be getting thrown down the shitter because everybody wants something convenient. And, the, and, the, and this is where you're just raising a generation after generation. Each generation is going to get lazier and lazier and lazier. It's time go to the fucking grocery store, people. Just fucking go to the grocery store, get your groceries, make a couple hours out of it, make it out forty five minutes, whatever you gotta do. Just go to the damn grocery store, walk around, get off your asses, do something. I'm just sick and tired of everything starting to be simplistic and just wasting away America. We're gonna end up having everybody's average weight's gonna be two hundred pounds. You know what I mean? It's just gonna be ridiculous. I'm just I really Really wish people wouldn't be so fucking lazy. So that's my rant for the week. Go to the grocery store. That's a good rant because I can actually offer some personal experience with this because 
every once in a while, like maybe every once every like six months or something, I just kind of get this like antisocial feeling where I just don't even want to leave like my apartment and it ha- and it'll last for like a week. Um, but like during those times, all I want to do is just chill, hang out on the computer, watch TV, just don't leave my place. And then if food starts running tight, instead of going to the store, I just order Domino's and order Domino's and order Domino's. And yep. dude, the fattest I ever got in my entire life was because I wasn't leaving my place and I was just ordering pizza like every day. It was yeah. So yeah, you think of, but then think about this, yeah, Brian. I lost a lot of weight because I got off my ass. I started buying like getting making lists for groceries. Started going to the gym because uh, just getting out of the house. Like if you give people an excuse to not get out of the house, a lot of people will take it. So yeah, yeah I, I'm think totally about, with you on this. Yeah, think about this. Like you have a situation where. Uh, the, the the just the world as a whole is so connected digitally, you know what I mean? Through 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 uh, computers and everything that people are losing their sense of human. You know what I mean? They're no longer they don't have a humanity and we don't have humanity anymore to a sense that people don't even want to go to the grocery store and look people in the face anymore. You know, people kind of look down at the ground. They don't say hi to people. They don't say hi to strangers. They don't do anything. They don't make any eye contact. You know, and this just this whole thing is. You can't even go to the grocery store anymore. People, you know, we're just antisocial. This is how people get desensitized to, to, to terrible things that happen to human beings because they almost don't feel human. So it's going to be the point where in 40 years we're going to be half robotic. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not, not going to want to move or leave our own fucking legs. What is it? Did you ever see Wally, like the Disney yeah. movie? Yeah. Remember It'd be like that where yeah. like everybody just – they're not even walking anymore. They've just got those little vehicles, and they're just constantly getting fed shit. And they don't have to go anywhere or move or anything. And you just become like 800 pound whales. So that, that, that could be, <laughs> this could be the beginning of that with the, yeah, the seriously, it's just not, it's just, I don't know. We need to be more human. Yeah. That's all I got to yeah. say, but yeah. Mm-hmm. What you got for us, I mean, as far as gems go. All right. Yeah. It is time for Hems Gems. So uh, this week, we've got a couple of things I want you guys to check out. Uh, number one, um, if you've never seen it, uh, there is this hilarious video, and this is not what I want you to check out, but of a, a soccer goalie. Uh, it's, it's fake, but he just keeps getting drilled in the face by every shot in a Scott shootout. Scott Sterling. <laughs> Scott Sterling. Yes, exactly. And... I don't know if you saw this, but in the opening week of the season, Steve Piscotty from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals gets drilled at the plate, and then he gets to first base, and he takes off, steals second, and the dude drills him with the catcher, drills him with a just a beeline throw, and he's safe at second. And then next dude hits a single, and they throw it to the plate and fucking jack him in the face as he's slide, sliding <laughs> yeah. headfirst into home. So somebody did a mashup of the Scott Sterling announcers just like, oh, right in the schnoz. Like every time he gets jacked with a baseball. <laughs> and That's it's so fucking awesome. hilarious. So uh, Steve Piscotti, Scott Sterling. Uh, I will post a link to it, uh, the video on our Facebook page. It is goddamn hilarious. So you definitely need to check that out. Uh, number two is a movie. It is called The Discovery, 
uh, Jason Segel's in it, Rooney Mara. Um, it's about they discovered scientific proof of the afterlife. Like they, and they didn't realize the consequences of announcing that decision because everyone in the planet Earth starts killing themselves. Where, like where is it? What, is this on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. I thought it was really good. I'm gonna watch that. Discovery. Yeah, but it's a yeah, but they there's scientific proof of the afterlife, and then everyone on the planet Earth just starts committing suicide in mass like there's no consequences because there's an afterlife like now that they know that there is one kind of thing so uh and then yeah it it, i thought it was really good it's a little slow but i mean i got really into it and then uh last but not least is a netflix series it's called travelers uh basically the future's fucked up and uh in the future they uh decide to change the the past to to make things better so they send people's consciousness through time to people that are just about to die from like accidents and stuff. And since they were going to die anyway, their consciousness just takes over that person, essentially killing that. them, and then they be and they become that person. And hey, they do co- like missions. I can co-sign that. I can co-sign yeah. that. Travelers That's is fucking awesome. It. I just yeah, I just finished uh, the first season yesterday and I loved it. So and I and I binge watched the shit out of that. So highly recommend Travelers as well. So. Those are my three gems for the week. Hey, hey, Hemi, do you yeah. watch? Do you watch Shameless? Shameless, yes. I'm on. Dude, I I just started watching that. Isn't I it just crazy? Started, it's so fucking funny. It's so funny. I didn't I didn't know what I was missing, I'm, but apparently something. I'm on like I'm about to get to season six. That's how deep I am on. Oh, this. dude, I'm on season one. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm, it's dude, crazy. it gets so crazy. It. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, William H Macy. Those guys are oh, yeah. such good actors and actresses. Like they are the shittiest family in America. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but they all, you know they take care of each other. It's great. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, it's a great show. Highly recommend Shameless as well. All right, so I think that'll do it for today's show. We went extra long. Thankfully, I was able to to sneak in on the show editor and add an extra thirty minutes. I, I was worried about only, that. Yeah, normally we only schedule for ninety minutes, but I was like, well, Sean's coming on fifty minutes. It, and I want to be prepared because he might go long because this dude, I, I could listen to him talk forever. So I, I prepared for that. And then I was like, oh, shit, we're going to go long on my long schedule. So I added an extra 30 minutes while he was talking because I knew we weren't going to get get yeah. done in time. But, man, yeah, so we're at two hours and 13 minutes already. Wow. So, yeah. All right. I think that just about does it. We will be back same time, same place next week at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We might have some really cool extra shit by then, too. Uh, We'll make some announcements throughout the week if uh, we get it sorted out. Um, You can check out our Facebook page, uh, At Odds Podcast. On Twitter, we are Podcast At Odds, although we don't really use that much. Uh, YouTube, we definitely want you guys checking out YouTube, At Odds Podcast on YouTube. SoundCloud, same thing, At Odds Podcast. Our YouTube channel, we kind of break down the show into segments, so you can check out like the individual stuff if you don't feel like listening to the full like two hour fifteen minute episode. We'll put like the entire Sean Luffler interview in there. Maybe put in uh, our stories from uh, airplanes and shit. I think that'll be funny. So yeah, we'll have all the individualized stuff if you just want to listen to specific things. So yeah, I think that'll do it for uh, this week's episode. And. Uh, because of uh, copyright concerns, we're going to switch up the <laughs> the end of the episode. 
So instead of getting Rick rolled, uh, we just want you guys to get a troll-o-o-o-old.